Hello, friends. Welcome to Off the Beaten Podcast. I'm your host, Dion. I'm so excited for this week's show. But before we jump into that, uh, if you listen to episode nine, you'll remember we did an interview with Francis Almeida. Francis is the founder of Reppin' Pins. Reppin' Pins is a Chicago-based company, and they make pins that rep what you love, and their goal is to make a pin for everyone. Let me tell you, they've achieved their goal. They have such a wide, wide variety of pins. It's amazing. They're colorful. They're well-made. Um, and yeah, they, they add new pins all the time. It's really cool. They're a friend of the pod and I've been a fan of theirs for years. So Reppin' Pins is offering an exclusive deal for Off the Beaten Podcast listeners. Go over to RepinPins.com. That's R-E-P-P-I-N-P-I-N-S.com. Reppin' Pins and shop around. Go crazy. Go nuts. And then when you get to check out, enter the code OTBP20. That's OTBP20. And you'll get 20% off your entire order. Look, you can't beat this deal anywhere. And it's fabulous. I had to wait till payday. But when payday came, I, I put a little money aside and I went on over to repping pins. Turns out they had just released a new uh, pin hat set. The hat is this audacious yellow color. The pin is lovely. Uh, so I bought that. Also bought a display hanger because I have a collection of repping pins. I want to expand on my collection. Francis really inspired me. And so I need, you know, what's a collection that you can display? I bought a hanger, got me a new pin, got a hat that I'm going to rock this winter. Went to the checkout, uh, put in all my information, put in the code, boom, 20% came off. I was like, oh, and it's free shipping for, I believe, $40 and over. So, you know, I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm getting in on this. Got some free shipping as well. I'm super excited. I'll be getting my pins. My hat and pin uh, combo was actually on pre-order. So I'll get that in a few weeks. Super excited. So please go over, show some love. They're a Chicago company, awesome people, and they're given to us. This is this is for my listeners. No one else gets this code. Don't go telling your friends. Screw them. They, they tell them you want to get repping pins, you want to get 20% off, go listen to the podcast. So let's do this, make it happen, and support Francis and his uh, company. So without further ado, I want to jump into this week's host. I'm so excited. I was excited the day I met her and we got talking and I figured out like what her, at least a glimpse of what her story was. And I was like, oh my God, I got to have her on my show. So Sarah Chung is a Paralympian, a judoka. So she has competed in the Olympics in judo and she is visually impaired. We actually met this summer uh, in the Lakeside Pride marching band. She plays trumpet. I play trumpet. So we were, you know, got talking. She's super nice, super sweet. Uh, you know, obviously I'm like, okay, I can recognize that she's visually impaired, but you know, over time, cause I, I'm like, okay, you know, like I'm like everyone else. I'm like, okay, she's blind, but she does, she doesn't have you know, she's not completely blind. She has some sight. So we got talking. We ended up taking a trip actually together out to the cab with a couple other friends to see, uh, drum corps international show out there and she is fabulous uh she's been to the white house she's met obama she's competed she's traveled around the world doing judo and i really want to have her not only to talk about those those experiences but also to talk about what is it like to live life uh being visually impaired you know what and then she actually also uh, recently uh, trained with and received her third seeing eye dog. And so what is that like? I know nothing about those things. I was super fascinated and super curious, you know, and Sarah is, is was so kind to sit down and just, you know, indulge 
me my ignorance you know there's no other way to say it just you know i don't know please tell me and she educated me hopefully you'll get an education and you know please let me know if there's something i missed but we'll talk about that later on i'm super excited i hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as i did and i loved it i thought the conversation would be maybe 60 minutes it went longer than 60 minutes because she is so fascinating and she was so open. And I feel like this is definitely one of the more intimate conversations I've had on this show so far. So please enjoy, uh, enjoy this conversation with Sarah Chung. All right. And we're recording and I'm so excited. Here with Sarah. Hi. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm very sore, but I'm good. Yes, you are. Yeah, you. So sore. You trained today. I, I trained yesterday. Trained. Oh, okay. Yeah. So real quick, let's do some icebreakers. Okay. Real quick. Sure. Okay. So I, I had them in my brain, and I totally forgot them like that. <laughs> um. Oh. Uh, favorite place to visit in the city. Oh, that's hard. Um, like food or anything. Anything. Or... Um, it's hard to, it's, I don't, there's so many places. Okay. Favorite place to like go, favorite food place in the city. Oh, um, that's also hard. Like I, I just, I mean, I've gone to so many food places, but (laughs) I was just at Nibbles and Nosh yesterday and I thought that was a really cute place. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it was somewhere I visited that was new. Where's that at? It's, um, off of Sheridan up north. Oh, that's up north. Loyola Park. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, see, I don't ever make it up there. I don't know any else places. <laughs> I'm like, is that a real place? <laughs> I've never heard of it. Nibbles and Nosh, it's a cute little place. Okay, cool. Well, shout out to Nibbles and Nosh. Now I gotta I mean, go. I didn't mean to shout them out, but you know, like, uh, hey, We're doing it. Like, this is about, well, generally about Chicago, so we're, hey, we'll throw them all in the mix. Um, favorite, uh, a best concert, a favorite concert you've been to? Recently? Anytime. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I went to... The House of Blues to see... Was it The House of Blues? Yeah, it was The House of Blues to see Marilyn Manson. <gasps> the House of Blues? Yeah. Oh, shit. It was great. When was, was that? I think it was The House of Blues. A couple of years ago in February... It was, like, freaking cold outside. That's all I remember. It was February something. Okay. February 2015 or something like that. 2016. Uh- yeah. Oh, very cool. Okay. I saw... I saw... I've seen Marilyn Manson a few times, but always at bigger... Like, big places. Never, like... Like House of Blues, small. I think like House of Blues is smaller. I saw him at Open Air. I saw him at um. I saw him once when he was touring with I think Rob Zombie. Yes. Like the oh yes, I've seen him there too at Tinley. Yeah. Oh yes, that yeah. might have been it. Because I, yeah. I know they, they're doing a second tour yeah. now, but they did one yeah. years ago too. Yeah. And so yeah, I've seen him like twice. Yeah, and I've just... seen him twice or three times. Oh nice. Uh, and uh, favorite throw for judo? Yes. Okay, because I was like, I don't play baseball, so. <laughs> I think there's one kind of throw. Oh, gosh. I mean, it's not very likely that I'll use it, but my favorite throw in judo is Uchimata. Okay. I actually Um, have a shirt that says Uchimata. Really? (laughs) But people are like, it's never going to work because you're too short. And I'm like, well, that's true. Are you too short for Uchimata? Typically, yeah, because all of my opponents are hecka taller than me. How tall are you? 5'2". Oh, you are short. I'm a shorty. You're shorty. You don't yeah. look that short. I'm a shorty. Okay, that's not I'm a bad shorty thing. and I'm a stout person. I'm a short and stout okay. person. So, all right. So, that gets us into, you are my first Olympic 
guest. Paralympic guest. Para, well, you know what? We're not, we're just, we're not even labeling. <laughs> I'm taking what I can get. Okay. Oh, you're, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, how, so how did you, okay. <laughs> like, I have so many questions. So I'm okay, like, go. tell me. Okay, uh, go. Give it to me. Uh, Give it to me. Uh, okay. <laughs> so first, how did you get into judo? Let's start okay, there. Okay. So it's kind of a long story. Which is totally okay. We got time. Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> I have nothing going on today. <laughs> I mean, at some point you might find me asleep on the floor, but Deal. it's fine. Um, <laughs> I'll be using my dog as a pillow. Again, fine. <laughs> distracted by. Anyway, I'm distracted. I'm sorry. Let's see. Um, story at hand. So uh, I graduated from NIU back in 2012. Um, I got a job working at a nonprofit. I got fed up working at said nonprofit. Um, I'm just going to keep the name out for privacy reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to work at a Halloween store and I was like, oh, well, this is seasonal, you know, so I have to find out what I'm going to do with the rest of my time. Um, and the thing is, uh, I guess when you when you have a disability and you rely on like government, you know, assistance, mm-hmm. there is a risk whenever you get a job, and this is something we can cover later. Mm-hmm. But um, so it took me a long time to get back onto assistance after that seasonal job. Um, so I'm like, what can I do for the time being until I find a better job, right? Um. And I fell into kind of like a, a, a depression, so to speak, because I was like, gee, I have nothing going for me. I live in a small town um, where there aren't that many great jobs. And I was promised X amount of money and I was given this amount of money. And, you know, I got fed up with working at said place. So mm-hmm. I left. Um, so I just didn't know what to do with my life. Um, and I was in my, what, early mid-20s at the time. Um and I mean, it's it's not typical that you find adults, you know, starting martial arts. I don't know. It depends. It depends on if you want to go further. But I had a... Growing up, I was like, I wonder what the Paralympics would be like. It'd be really cool if I can go to the Paralympics. And I went to a judo demo when I was like 16 at a camp um, for um, students with disabilities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to make my own decisions. <laughs> uh, and after that seasonal job, I worked at Spirit Hollow. I don't care about sharing that because I love the job. It was a lot of fun. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was so interesting to work there as someone that, you know, that asked me like descriptions of costumes. I'm like, I don't know. Use your eyes. You know, I, I wouldn't be that mean, but you know, somewhere along the lines of what does it look like? You know, cause I mean, I didn't have a dog or a cane with me when I was on the floor working. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's besides the point. So I went to the camp and then 10 years later, I decided to pursue judo because I kind of was at a rut in my life and I was feeling pretty down about it and I wanted to get into the city more. So I met up with a friend. We, I actually went to like a, a skiing something or other like pizza party type deal. And I happened to talk to my friend about judo because I knew that judo was a Paralympic sport. Um, I have a background in Taekwondo originally, Mm -hmm. so my dad uh, had his own academy and then it closed in the early 2000s, I believe, if I remember correctly, 2000, 2010, somewhere around there, somewhere in that Mm decade-ish area. Um, So I decided to pursue judo and I wanted to be here in Chicago a lot more um, because there's not many, I mean, there's there's Team Curran out in Crystal Lake, but there's not a lot out there mm-hmm. in terms of martial arts. It's getting bigger and there's more stuff now, but 
than it was then. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, times change, places change, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So um, I went to sit in on my first judo practice. It was December 14th, 2013. So that was late 2013. And I was supposed to just sit there, you know, because I hadn't been on the mat in a hot minute. So I wanted to just observe and see what was going on. Yeah. And the senpais and my coach, well, my soon-to-be coach, right? We're just like, get up, just get on the mat. Just see how you feel about it, you know? Like, just try it out. And, I mean, it just kind of blossomed from there, really. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. All right. So how, so then how, how long was it before you got into Paralympic competition? Oh, so I started in December 2013. I did my first local tournament in April of 2014. And then my first international tournament was about 10 months after that. So pretty much a year in, I started competing internationally. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what, so what was that like? Like, like I think like is there a lot of like is there a lot of pressure? Because I th- you know I'm thinking like now you're talking like internet like you're representing a country now. Right? I know. So <laughs> like, I'm not like I've competed and it's like for me it's always a lot of pressure just representing Team Resident, right? And I'm right. like full if I you know. Like, <laughs> You could be 30 seconds because everyone's going to be like, man, that dude's for Team Resident. Yeah, it goes so well. And, you know, that pressure. And so There's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of... So what is it like representing a country? <laughs> so um, your listeners know that your military background, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ish. I, they, yeah, ish. Yeah. They, they know ish. They, so, uh, I mean, like, because of... So my sister is actually in the military as well. Oh, And um, uh, all of my cousins are. And I... Growing up, I was like, man, I wish I wish I could be like them. You know, I want to be like them. But it was never an option for me. Yeah. So I wanted to represent my country in a different way. When I was, like, started 15, 16, they're like, you can represent your country at the Paralympic Games, which is the Olympic Games for people with disabilities. And I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. So it was always in the back of my mind. I just didn't think that I would achieve that dream in a lifetime ever. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's like, a huge honor, you know? Yes. Um, so I don't know. Like... I don't know. I find it to be, it's, there's an immense amount of pressure. Yes. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and like, it's also hard because I'm in an open weight division. So like I fight women who are anywhere between 154 pounds and like 300 pounds. <laughs> Not even joking. Oh, I wish I was. The last yeah. chick that I fought in, I had a competition in Indiana. It was an international, they held it in Fort Wayne, Indiana. International, internationally, <laughs> I'm like you couldn't hold it in like Los Angeles or somewhere cool like Indianapolis or, or like why why Indiana? But I mean, Indiana actually um, hosts the USA goalball team. So USA goalball, it's a sport. Uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like soccer for wine people. I can explain it later. There's so okay, much, <laughs> so much. I need to all right. I need to look some stuff up. Right? right yeah, <laughs> goalball is very interesting. Although I find it annoying personally, but again, my opinions are mine. So um, I don't know. It, it's an interesting sport. A lot of blind and visually impaired folks enjoy goalball. I just find it to be amusing. More so than anything. Okay. Oh gosh, if there's anyone who's blind, they'd be like, "Fuck you! You're a piece of shit blind person because you don't like goalball." I don't like goalball. Sorry. You're gonna get I like a lot like of email. baseball. I don't. There's my first hate. I'm gonna mail. get so much hate <laughs> first from hate like mail. half the blind community. If they listen, they'll be like, "You piece of shit." Oh, we'll you don't make like sure goalball. they do. <laughs> yeah, ratings go down. I'm so sorry. 
<laughs> now I'm like, I want to hear some, some thoughts on this. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, anyway. That's so great. <laughs> tangent. Um, the, I fought China, like the chick from China, and she's like 6'4 or something and like 290 pounds. <laughs> She's built like a oh, wall. She's, like, people called her the Great Wall, and that's fucked up. Like, that's fucked up. I'm sorry. I can't stop. It's fine. It's you so can laugh all you want. It's crazy. The Great Wall. They the, they called her the Great Wall. I would and be a chick. scared. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like 5'10", like 270. Yeah, I was mortified. I mean, the first time I fought her... I literally was trying to drag her, and it felt like pulling on a boulder. Oh, no. It was, people were like, pull harder. I'm like, pull she's her. planting her damn feet. How am I supposed to <laughs> pull harder? How? Like, she's literally eight feet taller than I am. And like, you know, I don't know, 100 pounds heavier than me. Oh. So it's, ah, it's like a lot. Um, yeah. Like, I had my first exchange way back when. I think it was Azerbaijan or some place. I don't know. Um, but I fought her in Lisbon or Azerbaijan. I don't remember. But um, it was impossible to move her. And then in Fort Wayne this past July, I was able to move her a little bit. And she tried to pin me once. And I got out of it. And then she got me with the second pin as soon as we had the second exchange. Yeah. So, like, at least there's increments of improvement when you're when you're competing against someone of that size. Absolutely. There's definitely a way to win the match. But it's so different for para-judo. You don't get a sense of what your opponent's grip feels like. Yeah. Like, we start in a grip. We start in kumikata. Okay. So, it's like, we're already like, you know? Yeah, so, right. Like you don't farming. You don't have that like, open, you don't have right, that open exchange. You don't exchange, have that, that chance to, like, feel the, your opponent out. The flow, right. Yeah. Okay. It's automatic, like, we're in a deadlock, and we need to figure out who's going to throw first. And, <laughs> you know, and the so. wall is going to throw first. Like, when she, like, squashed me the first time, I was like, man, I'm a bug on a windshield, and I'm pushing as hard as I can to get out from under the windshield, but the windshield was winning, and I'm going to die. Oh. <laughs> oh. It wasn't bad. It was a good experience, but um, I've been hurt doing judo before. Yeah. So, like, severely hurt. Yeah. And I was very fortunate to come back from it and still compete in the sport. Yes. But I have, like, like mental shrapnel from it still. Yeah. So of course. So every of time course. I get on the mat, I'm like, am I going to get hurt today? Like, that's a really negative way of looking at it. But it's always so jarring. Every time I get thrown, I'm like, oh, my God, are my limbs okay? Yeah. Even though I know how to fall. Yeah. You know? I've been thrown once by an Olympic, Olympic judoist. Ooh, I'm curious who it is. Oh. I can't. Uh. I can't even, his name, I want to say his name was, okay, I can say who he is, and you'll probably know the name. His his father was an Olympic medalist. His uncle was an Olympic medalist. His brother was on the last Olympic team, and he was an alternate. So they're a family that owns a school up north. And, uh, up north here in Chicago? No, north, in like a north suburb. Oh. Um, I wish I could, I wish I could remember the name for life of me but like the whole family does judo like so the dad Colin. The yes so the younger brother uh-huh. whichever his whatever his name is um yes the coins right mm-hmm. absolutely um and he'd come it was uh, this was years ago he'd come to our school to train mm-hmm. and it was kind of like um it was an open mat mm-hmm. uh no gi and so we were training and he was wearing a blue belt because technically he was a blue belt in jiu-jitsu <laughs> Mm-hmm. T- technically, right? Yeah. And at one point after class, uh, he said something like, "Hey, uh, is anybody interested in doing some stand up?" 
And, you know, like, sure, okay. And so, like, you know, whatever, ever, you know, yeah, you know, clinch, blah, blah, blah. And, like, next thing I know, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Right, like it's, like it's like getting hit by a car. But oh, it's whole midair. And know? he was very, kind, you know, it was like he yeah. wasn't out to hurt me. Right, no, totally. And you know, and and he had great control, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's one of those things like when your feet are going like literally over your head, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and you're like, holy, you're like, what the hell happened to me? I've made yeah. bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and then afterwards. He did it to someone else, and then Professor Adam goes, oh, by the way, guys, let me introduce this dude. He's a, you know, uh, his family are all Olympic judoists. He was on the team, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes much more sense. (laughs) This dude half my size is launching everybody around the room. Yeah. You know, and not to hurt him, you know, but, and yeah, especially like, my thing is always like when someone throws you hard. Um, which I've had happen to me just by guy who, guys who knew judo. Right. And your ankles hit together. I don't know if that's ever. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> the worst mm-hmm. feeling ever. Like when they gonna, clack. Yeah. Like, oh, like they're going to snap. Awful. It's so <laughs> like, it makes me just shiver just thinking about it. That's happened to me once. Oh. And I was like, never again. Oh, so bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, again. I mean, with judo, there's a lot, like we start standing in our matches. Yes. I, I think you you all do too in BJJ, right? A lot of the time now. Yeah. yeah especially now. Yeah. Yeah. More of a push towards that. So, I mean, it's, I mean, for para-judo, it's, it's a game of chess. I mean, it's chess with all matches, I feel like, but specifically yes. for, for para-judo, because we have to figure out who has to move first. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because we're already locked in a grip. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, fitting in for a throw is, if you're a really good technician, it's quick and painless death for your opponent. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you're done. Yeah. You know, so do I. Finished, done. <laughs> but like, if I don't know, some of the bigger girls they just don't move their damn feet, so it's hard to fit in. Yeah. Um, and they anchor grip you from the top. And someone who's short like me, that's a total disadvantage because they can go for a power grip or something crazy like that. Yeah. And then I'm just like, great, now I'm locked and loaded, and all they have to do is like move their hip. So it's my job to like get out of their grip and go for something like counter that. But yes. It's really hard when you're that close to someone. Yeah. And and you. And so I'm assuming Paralympic. So for for like people who may not know a lot about judo, mm-hmm. but like something I know this has been a discussion for for years, even yeah. in the jujitsu community. Right. Like judo has kind of over the years kind of condensed. Like they, uh, trying to think of the word for it. Like the move sets have decreased over time, right? And I was watching my move sets. Well, like you can't you can't attack the legs directly. Oh, there's a lot of rules that have changed. Yeah, like, that's kind of what I mean. The, you can't attack the legs with with your hands. Yes. Um, you have to keep your hands above the belt because you're you, standing. You can't like ankle pick. Right. Right. Okay. And that's like someone who might be shorter. That might be an advantage if you could do that, but you True. but you can't. Yeah. And I, I know I was watching a video. Um. And I, I it was years ago where it was kind of talking about like move sets that were illegal now, and it was mm-hmm. thinking like uh, like a double leg mm-hmm. is technically illegal, yeah. uh, ankle picks are illegal, and it was kind of going through all these things. Um, and so it, it was more, and my understanding has always been it was more to make the make it more exciting and kind of make it a little bit more faster paced because now you have these these throws, and when you hit that pin, it's like okay, it's done. And so, it, you know, it moves, it's exciting, but you kind of t- can take away a lot of tools it's true. that could vary the game and could make it, you know, 
advan- a little bit more, I think, advantageous to even smaller opponents, per se. Right. So, yeah. So, like, is a, is Paralympic in, still in that rule set? Yeah. So, Paralympic Judo, as far as I know, follows IGF rules. Okay. Um, it's just we start, there's, like, specific rules. Um, like, we start with a grip. If we go out of bounds, as long as it's not too out of bounds, we can still keep going if the match is going somewhere. Um, if both athletes lose grip of each other, um, we have to stop the match and start back up and standing. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think I'm forgetting something here and there, but it, it's it's very different than, you know, say regular or quote unquote sighted judo where, okay. you know, opponents stand like 10 feet apart and right. they find their groove. You dance around for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they get their grip and lock and load, but we don't get that opportunity in parajudo because, I mean, if you have two blind people 10 feet apart, you can figure that out mentally. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, like, there are varying degrees of, so there are classifications, right? Okay. Um, there is a B1 athlete who is considered totally blind. Um, and they have a they have a red circle patched onto their gi. Okay. Um, and then there's a B two athlete who is like between totally blind and legally blind. Okay. And then there's a B three athlete, and that's where I classify as where I have a good chunk of vision. Um, in each classification, like there's you know specifics with points and stuff like that. I'm not a ref, so I can't exactly go into detail. <laughs> um, but you know B ones and B threes and B twos, we all fight each other because if there's not enough B1s and there's not enough B2s, right. and et cetera, et cetera. So we all, all, all of the uh, blind VI judoka fight each other in tournaments. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's similar, actually. <clears throat> in jiu-jitsu, when it came to women's competition, mm-hmm. it used to, like, just they were all lumped in one group. Like, black belts, blue belts, because it wasn't enough. And now, like, you're starting to see your clean divisions. Like, right. regularly, not the males, where it's black belts. And there's at least enough to have a division right. and enough brown belts. So it's really, which is really cool. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, what's the coolest place you've been able to visit as a member of the Paralympic team or through judo? Like, coolest place I was able to visit. So the most eccentric places I visited are Lisbon and uh, Baku, Azerbaijan. So I went to Portugal and Azerbaijan. But my favorite place that I went to was actually Seoul. South Korea. Um, and that was in May 2015. Okay. And it was really special for me because I had started judo pretty much the year before, right? Yeah. And where did I go before that? The competition before that was in Hungary. It was in Igar, Hungary. So I had gone to Hungary, didn't do so great. I went to South Korea and it. I won my first international match there. Oh, wow. Um, so, I mean, I was really bummed out in Hungary because I didn't really do well there, right? And I'm like, well, am I really cut out for this? But the reason why Korea was so special was because I hadn't seen my family in Korea in over 10 years, like a decade. Yeah. So the fact that Judo gave me an opportunity to see my family was super special to me. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And for the listeners, your your ethnic background Yeah, I'm is, Korean. It's Korean. Okay, go. <laughs> yeah. <on>. Right. Um, <clears throat> if you want to be PC, Korean-American, I guess. <laughs> well... Actually, and actually, this actually brings up something. I was listening. I was actually listening to a podcast earlier mm-hmm. today, yeah. and they were talking. About, it was actually about Selena uh, Quintanilla, okay. uh, the the, the Tejano singer uh, performer who was who was unfortunately shot and killed. Man, many years ago now, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was they were in it. They were actually making this this point that um, a lot of people didn't think she would ever be uber successful. And one of the reasons because she was technically Mexican American, and I guess uh, like being trying to make her like a kind of like a Mexican star, a lot of Mexican people weren't going to have it. Like, mm-hmm. like wasn't a big thing. Is that is that similar? 
uh, between, say, native-born Koreans and Korean-Americans? Is that a thing? I mean, I guess it's really subjective. Okay. Right? Like, I don't really dive into specifics. I'm proud to be Korean. Of course. And I'm also proud to be American. Yeah. You know, like, those are two aspects of my identity that I'm proud to be, and that's all that people need to know. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really dive too deep into it unless I'm trying to prove a point, which it makes me tired. So. <laughs> I could totally understand that. Yeah. You know, like the specifics of it all just makes me tired. It's, it's, I just wish that people would get along, honestly, and respect each other. Yes, I can dig that. That's like the end all be all for me. Just respect each other. I, I dig that for sure. Um, and, and, and all, cause I, I know nothing about like Olympics, Olympic competition or anything. Mm-hmm. Do the Paralympic team and the Olympic team interact? Yes. Yes, so they do hold training camps for Olympic and Paralympic athletes um, in judo, and I haven't been to one of those yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just just in line with my schedule. But they do train together. Um, we train together at our dojo. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a para athlete or just a regular athlete. Okay, all of us train together. None none of us are treated any differently because we're para. You know. Yeah, and it's it's cool that way because it's like. Inclusion, you know? Oh, absolutely. Like, like totally just un- unbiased, no, like, you know, any sort of weirdness. Yeah. Um, it's great. And I, I think because, I mean, I, I think, like, I know a hand, I could, a handful of, like, I could name extensive judo Olympic Olympians. Like, I, you know, uh, Malloy. Yeah, Marty. His name, Marty. She's so nice. Is she really? Oh, my gosh. She's the nicest ever really she's so nice oh and she's so pretty so I know. And that's she's, true she's and she's a killer she is <laughs> Look, more, to be more importantly yeah she's a killer no you could tell like i met her once and we've had a couple of interactions you know and we're friends on facebook and but she's just so nice like oh. she's one of the most genuine people i've ever met oh that's, you know, that's excellent. In, in the community yeah so i mean she's great and i've met Okay, I won't even say I met because I was actually too scared to talk to him. Um, Travis Stevens is that his name? Yep. Yes, who looks like he wants to kill everyone in the room. Yeah, he, he's a he's a tough dude. Any given he's point, super so. intense. I was at uh, ju- uh, World Jiu Jitsu Masters in oh. Vegas with a friend who was competing. Yeah, and he was at like a uh, he was like the represent whatever one is his uh, sponsors Fuji, I think? Fuji. Yeah. yeah. So he was at the Fuji booth. Yeah, and he was the only person there. And I'm going around taking pictures. I'm like getting like <laughs> hugs from random. Like I walk up to Henzo Gracie. I'm like Henzo, I just want a hug, bro. Oh, <laughs> he was yeah. like, give me a hug. I got oh. a picture with. Him. Like yeah. I felt so bad because he he had done a seminar. He was eating his lunch when I like I was like I'm so. Sorry, but uh, yeah, you know. And then I saw Travis Stevens, and I was like, um, "I can't do it." <laughs> he just looks like he was gonna. He just wants to smack people. <laughs> he just has this look on his face, like, "Why is this? Why is this happening to me?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "My friend's like, go talk to him." I'm like, "No," because you can tell which judo people. And this is just my opinion, folks, <laughs> out on the interwebs. <laughs> this is just my opinion, but I feel like judo people have like this stern face. Like this resting bitch face. It's a possibility. I don't know what it is, but I've noticed that it's not quite like that in the jiu-jitsu community. No. Like no. everyone's pretty like, you know, open and loose. But yeah. like, I feel like some of us judoka are very uptight. It, myself included. Like, I don't mean to present myself that way, but yeah. like, I'm just thinking about so much, you know? Yeah. like, And maybe that's the case, like for a lot of folks. But yeah. um, the only time that I've really like 
come across, you know, judo folks who are chill and loose or whatever is in our like our native habitat where we're on the mat and we're all like loose and like getting, you know, ourselves ready for like a seminar or something. And that's when I'm comfortable approaching folks. But when they're out and about, I'm like, am I bothering them? I don't know what I'm doing. Like I get like super anxious and I'm like, I don't know. Um, I met, uh, Sensei Lynn Rothke. She's a, she's a Olympic medalist as well. And I did a seminar with her and she's so cool. She's up in Wisconsin, I think. Oh, cool. But I think she's one of the first women that, that medaled in the Olympics. Um, Silver medals? I'm not sure. Don't quote me. I don't uh, know what I'm talking no about. No worries. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just neat to come across folks like that because you just never know when that opportunity will arise again. Yeah. Like, I, I got to take a photo of Kayla Harrison. Okay. And I met her when we went, when all of us went to the White House. Because um, <sighs> they, they had the Olympic and the Paralympic teams go to the White House after Rio. Um, what was that like? Oh, my God. I tell. It Dish. was insane. <laughs> that whole chunk of time Dish. from like August through like October was just insane for me. Um, so initially I was supposed to be an alternate for the Paralympic team. Okay. And it just so happened, like Russia had that like whole doping scandal, blah, blah, blah. So they pulled a bunch of athletes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was bad. I've heard stories. <laughs> yeah. It was not good. Was know? it even on the Paralympic? I, Level? I don't know if it was or not. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but I know they, they all lost all their them. athletes were pulled oh, from wow. the games. Yeah. And, I mean, that opens up a lot of space. So I had just started marathon training that April because I had, like, there's a whole story behind this. It's a huge, kind of interesting, but it's like one of those, like, whoa, lifetime weird times type of situation. Oh. So in 2015, I broke my arm. Like, really bad. Like, okay. it was in three pieces. Oh, wow. Um, and it was, a, it was a freak throw, you know, like, landing, bad, stupid. Like, it's either, you know, post on my neck or post on my arm type situation. <sighs> mm. Which is, n- none of those are good. Never. Right. You know, like, it's like, do I want to break my spine or do I want to break my neck? Do, well, no, like, no. Or, you know, break my spine or my arm. Like, it was, it was one of two choices. Take right? the arm. Take the arm. Yeah. And, like, I know it's stupid to post. I know how to fall. You know, oh, like, wow. I know these things. But there was just no room for me to do that, you yeah. know? And it's not the person who's throwing. It's not her fault. It's not my fault. It just happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but I broke it so badly, and it was pr- practically in my prime, too. Like, I had just come back from Pan Ams. I was, like, almost recovered from a concussion. I was at a seminar when this happened. Um, so I broke my arm, and it was devastating. Because, like, I was born blind. That's whatever. You know, like, I deal with it all my life. Okay. But when I broke my arm, it was, like, this true gutted feeling of just awful like devastation right so i didn't think that i would get back on the mat because recovery took so long my arm was just limp Mm. at my side for Mm. the longest time Mm. and it's my dominant arm too so i'm like well screw my life i'm blind my arm's broken what else can (laughs) fucking go wrong right like and it's my dominant arm and i like no depth perception like there was a whole slew of things that i was really struggling with yeah and that was probably the worst time ever in my life because I just didn't know how to cope um, which really gave me an understanding of what people deal with in terms of acquired disability or permanent disability say if they go later go blind later in life or something like that mm-hmm. I really really got the understanding because I didn't feel disabled before it was just my life you know yeah but when I broke my arm it was a different story so um our system's kind of messed up and they only gave me like 10 PTs, right? Like I only got 10 PT sessions before they're like, I guess your arm is fixed. I'm like, are you serious? 
You know, like, thanks, government. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Always. Um, yeah. So I'm like, cool. My arm, like, is so, my shoulder is still messed up. Yeah. It just never fully recovered, but pretty much from my elbow to my mid-upper arm was shattered in, like, three pieces. Oh, Thankfully, none of the wow. bone was sticking out, like. Yeah. But yeah. they essentially clamshelled it and, like, molded it back into place. It was awful. Oh. Um, like, it was awful. They had to, <laughs> I have so many stories. But, you know, thankfully I didn't have to get surgery. They offered it to me, but I didn't take it because I figured if it's a natural way, you know, if I could fix it naturally, I will. Okay. Like, if I have the way of bones meshing together without any sort of drugs or screws or whatever, I'll take it. But I didn't take any pain meds because it would they would make me, like, really sick. Yeah. So I went through the majority of my recovery in pain. But then, like... Fast forward to April, like I had gone to the Olympic Training Center to rehab my arm more because I wanted to train for trials, Paralympic trials, in April. Mm -hmm. So that's April 2016, right? And it was just interesting because I had worked specifically with a sports psychologist. And I don't know if I need to like add trigger warnings or anything like that. I don't know if you'd like me to. Uh, keep going. Okay. Role, so, right? <laughs> sorry, mental health field No, study. no, it's not. Absolutely. <laughs> but like, you know, it's it's... Like I said, it was super devastating, right? And I do have a history with mental health. So um, we had to like make up safety plans and things like that because I just didn't know how to cope with any of it. You know, I was in my prime as an athlete, that was my identity, right? Yeah. And I had nothing. Like I wasn't going to school. So then I went to trials and my arm was still, I want to say it was at like 40% like recovery rate. It was really just not strong enough. So I was doing a lot of pulling with my left arm. Um, and trying to fit in for throws, but I didn't do so well against my opponents. Yeah. So after I lost that first match, it, it just felt like I got hurt all over again, you know? Yeah. Um, and no one can really, like, I pretty much went over into practice mats and, like, scraped my, like, my coach had to scrape myself off the, or scrape me off the ground, basically, with his words, and be like, look, you have one more match, like, snap out of it, you know, keep going. But if you have, as we previously talked about, that immense amount of pressure to mm -hmm. do well and to make the team, it's... You want to win your matches because you're fighting against another opponent within the States for that spot on the team. So I lost my first match and then my second match wasn't good. My family came down to support me, which was hard, you know, like it was hard feeling disappointed and defeated. So I initially walked away from that competition telling myself that I didn't want to do judo again. Right. Like, I was like, let's just redirect. And I had, like, the the tools and that were given to me by the sports psych to, mm -hmm. like, at least keep myself going. Yeah. But I just was like, what else can I take off on my bucket list? And it, it was running a marathon. Right. So um, we had a training group. I don't know if you all are familiar with Team World Vision. Um, yes. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I started training with Team World Vision, and I started training for a marathon. That April, after my competition, you know, after the Paralympic trials, where I'm like, you know, I'm done, I'm going to take a break from judo, whatever, blah, blah. And then, you know, fast forward to July, where I, like, had applied to grad school, and they accepted me. And I was like, oh my god, you know, grad school 2016, this is crazy. <laughs> like, three, like... Like, two weeks later, they called me, and they're like, hey, so, you know, my coach called me out of the blue. And I'm like, what is this about? And the funny thing is, the night before he called to let me know that I was on the team, I was watching a video about all the gear that Team USA was getting. Oh, cool. <laughs> like, all the gear. And I'm like, damn, I really want those lime green shoes for the podium. You know, like, yeah. those are so bomb shoes, Nike. Come on, send me a pair. Uh, I'm an alternate, but I don't care. And 
that next morning my coach called me. He's like, so I'm 90% sure Ed Liddy's going to call you and invite you to compete for the team. And I'm like, what? What? Like, what? I can't do that right now. Wait, hold on. What? You know, and then sure enough, he called and he called my coach and they conferenced him in and he formally invited me to join the team. So we crammed, like, I mean, since this is like, you know, Rio's long done and gone and I'm, I'm opening up about this, like, it's hard, you know, of it's hard course. as an athlete to like, like, I don't know what I want because I was so like, I had suffered like a, a career ending injury and then like I switched gears and wanted to run a marathon so I was marathon training more so than doing judo. I mean, I was doing judo somewhat, but not. I wasn't putting my heart into it because I'm like, I have another quad to go to. Yeah. You know, like I wasn't really worried about it. Of course. So when he invited me, I'm like, well, shit, shit, shit. Got to train. Screw the marathon, you know. <laughs> so we were training and cramming every day for those like that like month before I left. Okay. Um, and if it wasn't for if it wasn't for my coaches, if it wasn't for the senseis, if it wasn't for training partners, I mean, if it wasn't for the school, there's a school down here. Um, lots of students wrote letters, like they had a class write letters for me. Uh, there were two hundred letters um, from from kids who were like, "We believe in you, bring home gold, blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this is insane!" And then my local newspaper got in touch with me. It was crazy. I went oh, from like just being this little like old like whatever person, you know, living in a small burb to just like having a sponsorship through a bank. Like it was crazy. Oh, that's great. Um and I'm not one for attention. I'm just like, no, no thank you. No thank you. I'm good. No, I'm very shy. Um and I don't really like to insert myself or like, you know, over over puff my chest and have an ego. <laughs> uh there's nothing wrong with pride. I just don't want to be all up in people's faces about accomplishment. Um, Puff your chest here, sister. Let's do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just like crazy, right? So I, I go to Rio and I'm, I miss grad, like I miss like the first three weeks of grad school. Oh, wow. It was insane. And the coolest thing was like they found out that I was on the team and they weren't like, well, I guess you're going to have to start next year. They were like, no, go, go. We'll take care of you. Go. And they truly did. Like, my professors were great. The The department chair was great. We just figured it out. Like, I got back from Rio. I had terrible jet lag. I was falling asleep at every class. <laughs> I remember I got off the plane at Rio and had my, like, I went straight to class. Yeah. Um, and it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then come October, like, Rio was concluded in mid-September. Two weeks later, I ran the marathon. <laughs> Oh, you did do the marathon. I did the marathon. All right. And then I went to the White House. So that was like a crazy slew of events. <laughs> like fall 2016 was insane. That's great though. It was great and it was insane and it was so stressful. So many good memories, I'm sure. So many. So what was it like being at the White House? I've never been. Oh my gosh. So they got us up at 6 a.m. and I didn't meet Obama until 2 p.m. And I was working on like my homework for grad school. <laughs> So they set us up at the Hilton, I think, or something, and I was sharing a room with my teammate and her guide dog and my guide dog, so there were four of us in there, you know, two canine, two human. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They loaded us up into a bus, into a shuttle, and we waited in line outside the White House, and, you know, you approach that fence perimeter, Mm -hmm. they have those little gate things. And you walk in, you take all of your bags and stuff off. And all of us were wearing the same outfit. Yeah. 
So all of us either had like tote bags or something, but you go through a metal detector and then they also wand you too, you know, just to be sure. I mean, all dogs who had a harness, they alarmed. So it's like 50 million alarms going off. Right, there's right. Like, there's like so many service dogs because it's the Olympic and the Paralympic team. Oh, that's great. So then we get in and I mean, Obama was there then. I miss Obama. Everybody misses miss Obama. Obama. So hard. I think but, even, uh, even his haters miss Obama. <laughs> it was just some blur there. I miss Obama. But anyway, we get in and like by this time it's like, what, noon or something? And I'm like crashing because I'm homeworking and like, you know, oh. we have to do all this stuff. So, I mean, instead of partying like everyone else, I'm like, I'm going to be a good little student, a good little Asian and look at my articles and shit for grad school. Fine. We go through the perimeter, we go through the metal detectors, and there's like a table. Like we walk in the front doors, or was it the side door? I don't remember exactly which door we walked in through. It wasn't the front, it was the one the side or the back. I don't okay. Remember. Yeah. Um not on either lawn. It was through the sides, I think. Then we were met with a table of like hors d'oeuvres and like drinks and stuff. Those White House napkins are fancy as fuck. Really? They are so nice. Oh my god. I think I still have one somewhere. Well shit, I would have took like a stack. <laughs> Like, what so are you nice. doing? You know those like you know those uh, fabric napkins. Yes, it's like a paper fabric. It and was like super nice. Is it embroidered? It was embroidered. Oh, see, that's what like, I'm talking embroidered about. Embroidered in gold, and it was just I would have been so like nice. <laughs> I'm like whoa, and then you go to the bathroom, and like it's like gold trim, and like oh. pictures of presidents, and like there's carpeting, and like just. Whoa. I would have been cuffing everything. Oh, been... my gosh. It was crazy. You can't be stealing cool. from the White House. I'm like, yo, I heard this. It was crazy. <laughs> All cool. this. Yeah. No, I, like, I mean, you can see. I took a picture. Like, I have a picture of me shaking Obama's hand. Oh, And that's I have bags under my oh. eyes. And I'm, like, mid-bow because I'm freaking Asian. So I have to bow to everything, apparently. <laughs> just want to be normal. Did he I'm bow back or was he just like, No. <laughs> no. So I'll tell you the exchange. So after, like, you know, exploring the place a little bit, they had us, all of us, line up, right? Like, we lined up and we were ushered into the room. They had, like, the gold curtain and the red trim around the curtain yeah. and, like, the podium. Like, the typical, like, press room. Yeah. And first he started talking to us. Like, he said a bunch of stuff. And we, we got to see Simone Biles up there. I think that's her name, right? Yes. Yeah. I don't want to get it wrong. Like, I'm it's mixing and blurring. No, so she's, it's she's like the, the legend she's now. She's a legend, yeah. So, <laughs> like, I don't want to mess up her name now. because that would be awful. <laughs> no. But, um, you know, just, like, super empowering stuff that he was saying. I can't remember all of it. And I think I filmed it since... Either on, like, Snapchat or Instagram or somewhere. Oh, cool. But um, it was just so neat. Like, so neat. He was, you know, 20 feet away. So cool. Isn't that amazing? Um, it was funny because all of us service dog cameras were, like, crammed into a corner. <laughs> right? Because your dog doesn't attack the president. <laughs> no. So, like, it was anything from, like, Labradors to Goldens to, like, German Shepherds. Like, London wasn't there. I had my previous guide. Yes. Um, but all of us, there was, like, 20 service dogs. So the, wall. the dogs were like cuddling on each other and people were coming down and like, you know, pet them, whatever. Like we're stuck in a room. It's not like they're going to be doing any working anytime soon. Right. You know, he gave his speech. I don't remember if I'm mixing this around, but he gave his speech and then we met him. But we were filed in by team, you know, teams. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I shook his hand. Apparently they got me like handshake and mid bow. So you could see the bags in my eyes, and you could see me smiling. I look very haggard. <laughs> but then, like, we shook hands, and he reaches out and pets my dog, and I'm like, shit. 
don't say a word. Don't say a damn word about not petting your dog. Because you're not supposed to do that. Exactly. Okay, yeah. Exactly. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. So I kept my mouth shut. I was going to say right. And he's like, what's your dog's name? And I'm like, onesie. And he's like, that's a great name. And that was my little tiny exchange, you know, with, with Obama. But it was cool. He's like, hello, nice to meet you. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, obviously not quite as awkward, but I was very like, thank you, nice to meet you too, you know. But right. in my head, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, don't freak out, don't freak out, don't freak out, you know. And then he was like, what's your dog's name? And I was like, onesie. And he's like, that's a great name. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> and then I keep moving. And I hugged Michelle. She smells great. Oh, she smells. <laughs> Whatever she wears, I can, I hate cologne perfume, but my God, she smells great. She, she smells of heaven. great hugs. She smells Michelle of... Obama gives great hugs. So you have to go back and listen to the Sam episode. Because <laughs> okay. at the end, we talk about Michelle. Yeah. Because that's like, mutually, that's our dream woman, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I'm like, I think about Michelle, like, not even in a sexual way, although I yeah. think she's gorgeous. Yeah. But I'm just like. Have you read her book? Not yet. I have oh, a, it's so good. Read that it, was read my it. only Christmas gift. Like, <laughs> like so my good. mom gave me a copy. Of, it's oh, in my yeah. office, actually, and I haven't read it yet. Like, I have to read it because everyone tells me it's the not so good. The audiobook is great, too. So that's what I probably should do. Yeah, because, like, she narrates her book. And oh. It's exactly how you would imagine it. That's what I should just Yeah. Listen. Yeah. Because, yeah. But, like, I just want to stare in her eyes. And, oh, like, yeah, tell no, me She has these intense, like, stories. She's just warm. But her eyes are so intense. Like, they're both intense. But they are oh, super sure. hecka genuine. Yeah. Like, yeah. and, I mean, he met six, they, all three of them. I also met Joe after, Joe Biden. Okay. Um, and I shook his hand and he was very, like, cordial and very nice. Yeah. But they met 600 of us. Oh, that's amazing. 600 of us. And they just did it. Did it. They just did it. It was, like, I mean, I, I'm sure, like. It's no small feat, but still, like, yeah. that's a lot of athletes. And oh, he was sure. warm with every one of us. And, I mean, it was, like, 10 seconds of, like, true, genuine interaction. Yes. And that, it sticks with you. It's meaningful. Oh, for Someone sure. Someone of that status. Which is hard to do, I'm sure. Yeah. So to give that time, you know, that, even that just mental energy mm-hmm. and emotional energy. Mm-hmm. Some of them like, athletes are huge. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it was. What like, have you been eating, son? <laughs> Everything. Hello, sir. So cool. <laughs> so cool, you know. Oh, that's like, so great, I mean, though. It was great. It and was a wonderful experience. And that's a memory you'll have forever. Oh God, yeah. And he made yeah. it meaningful. It yes, and absolutely. That, you know, and that's great. Yeah, that's so cool. Okay, yeah, I totally actually forgot what my next question was. <laughs> totally yeah. fine. Um. So actually, let let me go ahead and ask you. So tell me about London. London. Um, he doesn't have an alias. Go ahead. You know what? Huh. I do remember. What oh, go for it. Go for be. it. Yeah. So when we, the the first time we met, okay. you actually told me a story oh, about the Mongolian team. Oh my god! <laughs> I would. For the audience that's listening, I'm currently just I have my hand <laughs> in my face and I'm rubbing my temples in my forehead. Um. <laughs> God, that was like, wow. You know, like, people say, that. that's why I add Korean-American, you know, because people just are like, which, like, this is a prime example of that. Yes. Right. So, I was in Azerbaijan, and they are, like, it's an amazing country, and they're mm-hmm. amazing people. But I was one of the last members of my team to arrive at the hotel, mm-hmm. and I rode in. You know, no one else was arriving at that time. And I was the only American arriving at that time. So I shared a bus to the shuttle to the hotel with the Mongolian team. And 
you're already chuckling to hear it. Um, I get to the hotel, and I told the staff person that I was checking in, and he said, we can't let you do that. And I'm like, why not? Like, I gave you my name, and I gave you my team. And they said, there's no room for you. You have to pay. I'm like, what? What? I paid my money already. And they're like, you did not. I'm like, I did. And then they asked me who my coach was. And we went through this exchange like three times. You know, who's your coach? Who's your team manager? I'm like, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And right. they're like, which team are you with? I'm with the United States Parajudo team, Team USA. Um, and they're like, are you sure? I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> like I'm covered in USA gear. Like, I was wearing my USA hoodie. I was wearing my team jacket. My bag had USA Judo all over it. And finally, they're like, give me your passport. I'm like, okay. And they're like, oh, you're American. I'm like, yeah, I'm American. I've been trying to tell you this for 20 minutes. And it's three in the morning and I have zero patience. Um, you know, and they had called my coach down. And <laughs> then they're like, oh. And they figured it out before you got down there, right? They're like, you're American. Yes. And they said, we thought you were the Mongolian team. They hadn't paid their their deposit yet. Oh, I'm like, yeah. are you kidding? Seriously. <laughs> There's nothing on me that says Mongolia. But other all, than my skin tone. It all says USA. <laughs> That's awful. I'm just like shaking my head, you know? Like It just right. goes to show that there is, like, people from all over the world, like, there is this image of you know, what an American should look like. Yes. And it's, like, foreign if they're, like, you're not white? What? Yeah. What is that? Like... Oh, for sure. You're Asian? What? <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm, like you're, you're actually sitting here with your USA Judo... I am! Uh, yeah. Hoodie my on. pants and my, and it's, in my bag and, like... I, it like says USA Judo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my bag. Very huge bold. white letters says USA Judo. <laughs> I have USA Judo written on my, my hoodie, like... Oh, you're my an American? Pants are, you're American? Yes, I'm yes, an American. I'm American according to my passport, which says United States of America, and then it says my name. <laughs> She's trying to get over on us. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually Intel from another country. Oh, no. So, okay, so now. <laughs> Conspiracies everywhere. <laughs> so, uh, so tell me about London. Uh, London, 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 my boy. Um, so more stories or how short lengthy? No, you do, no, whatever. <laughs> Just you, go for it. Okay. Whatever you want to share, okay. absolutely. Um, so London is my third seeing eye dog, and okay. it's funny because if it were onesie, which, who was my second guide dog, um, I would have given an alias. But with London, it's okay because it doesn't matter how often you call his name; he won't be distracted. Unfortunately. Onesie passed away very suddenly in March because of cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it took her life. And it was unforeseen because at her vet appointment in November, she was healthy as a horse, according to the vet. He listened to her heart. Like, she was licking his face. She was rambunctious at eight. You mm -hmm. know, like, there was no sign that she was ever going to, you know, get sick. And in the coming months after that, she was slowing down. And I took that as, oh, she's getting older. She's eight. You know, I'm going to mm. retire her at nine. Yeah. And then in March, like, she passed away suddenly. And it was devastating because I was going to, like, we were going to have our last walk at graduation, which happened, like, a couple weeks ago. And oh. then she was going to be retired. Okay. So I never got that last with her, which is unfortunate. And it was, mm. it's, I'm still healing and reeling from it because it was super traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Like, just... I'm glad that I moved out of that apartment because she died in my bathroom in my lap. Oh. Um, 
So And it's the death of a friend. It's it's oh, more oh, than a friend. A like I can't member. explain Yeah. Like I don't even know how to explain what a guide dog does, but onesie in particular was very special. Okay. I'll get to London in a minute. Okay. But no, I think that it's worth sharing. Um, absolutely. Like she was if you met her, you'd be like, My god, that dog's annoying, right? <laughs> like but She's also, she was also never, like, upset about anything. Like, she was never depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, there was always just this vibrance about her. And I found that very special because I have a tendency to be a little bit more, like, sullen and quiet and cynical, you know, very chill. But she kind of added, like, gusto to my life. Yeah. Um, when she would, you know, guide me, her ears would jingle and she would wave her tail. And, like, she made a whole show about it, right? Like, it was a, <laughs> a Broadway production for onesie. Um, and she was, like, in the center, diva. Like, it was awesome. I'm blushing just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, very special. So, you know, when she passed, I was like, well, shoot, what do I do? Like, I just lost the one being that I trusted with my entire life. Because that's the truth. Like, when you put... I mean, like, of course, I have people who guide. And I have my cane. I hate using it, but I have it. It's a tool that I have. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> But there's something in particular that's very special about having a service dog in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can tell which ones are good at their job. And you can tell which handlers are good at handling. Um, and I'm not a pro. You know, my dogs aren't pros. We're still learning together. And every day is a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, Onesie was my heart dog. You know, like, she got me. Yeah. And whenever I would feel, like, particularly down about something, I was covered in toys. she would try to put one in my mouth and then she would put them them all in my lap you know like it was special oh Um, that's great special unexpected you know she would come over and like lean her chin on the edge of the bed if Mm -hmm. i was having a particularly bad mental health day and she would just stare you know asking if it was okay for her to come up yeah so it's moments like that where you're like oh you know it's beyond service when they're there for you through and through like that um And that's what London and I are starting to learn how to be for each other as well. Like, it's a partnership. People presume that we use the heck out of our dogs. You know, like when you have a service dog, they're Mm -hmm. just for service and then you dispose of them later. That's not how it works. Um, It's far more than that. And like every dog that is trained to do a specific task, you know, your relationship depends on how you treat each other. Yeah. Um, So when Wednesday passed away... I initially was not going to get a dog, another one, because I'm like, I don't know where my life is going. I had zero idea of what I was going to do. And if I wanted another dog at the time, because it was such a hard loss for me. But uh, what kind of prompted me to get another dog was when I was targeted by someone leaving the pharmacy. Like I had, I was living in Chicago at the time and I was leaving the pharmacy and I lived four blocks away from the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And he tailed me the entire walk home. And I was using my white cane because that sidewalk in particular is very broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to break an ankle. My ankle's already bad to begin with because it's a sport injury. But yeah. um, So I used my cane despite not wanting to. And he targeted me. And I heard him about 40 feet behind me because whenever I would stop walking, the, whoever's behind me would stop walking. And then, there, you know, the sound would get closer and closer. And if you look back, like... I don't have depth perception, and if there's, like, not a lot of contrast, I'm not going to see who it is. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to see if it's a man or a woman or whatever. Like, there's no defining detail for me. So, it's kind of like this building anxiety. You know you're being stalked by someone, but you don't know who it is. 
And that's kind of what being blind is like. Like, you you know, if someone is following you, if they don't verbalize it or if you don't recognize what they sound like, it feels like you're being stalked. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was stalking me and the pace picked up when we got close to my apartment. And, like, he rushed the door when I tried to go inside. Thankfully, I pulled it behind me just as he was getting there. So he's rattling the door and I, like, bolted to my apartment. But oh, wow. it was a terrifying experience. Of and the course. funny thing is, I'm trained in martial arts. I'm trained in self-defense. But, like, I don't know if this person has a gun, you know? Like, right. I don't know. Like, what, what are my fists going to do at a gunfight? Right. So, like, the reality is I'd rather flight than fight in that situation. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, just because there's so many unknowns. But of with a dog... That they have, I have the advantage in that they don't know how my dog will react. These dogs are trained for temper, you know, they're, they're bred for temperament and behavior. And, you know, a lot of them wash if they don't work out as a guide, because you need a specific temperament. Yes, of course. Um, There shouldn't be any aggression. Like if the dog is growling, that's a problem. That's something that the dog can be retired for um, and things like that. But I told myself that I wanted a German Shepherd because of the scare factor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of hype though. There are going to be those Shepherd people who just can't keep their hands off, which is really annoying. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I got London in July. That's when I went and trained. Like I, after that incident, it took me a, like a day or two to really mull it over and be like, do I want that experience again? Yeah. And I told myself, no. Like, no, I don't know. Like, even though Onesie was, like, let me describe her to you. She's about 24 inches at the shoulder, blonde with, she's a little bit of, um, what do you call it? Her tail had a little fan to it because she was three quarters golden and a quarter Labrador. Okay. And she had the sweetest face um, and she'd always be smiling. Like, always. But just like this wiggle body, you know, she's always excited. Yeah. Even with her, she would instigate people to be like, look at me. I know you want to look at me. And if you're looking at me, that means you could touch me. You know, like this, she was like very like instigative. Right. People wouldn't mess with her. Like they would mess with her and be like, oh my gosh. But like people who were scared of dogs, they would stay away. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. dogs are at least to people who don't know them, they're unpredictable. Yeah. But I figured I would get even more of that if I got some dog like a shepherd that looks and is more alert. Not that Onesie wasn't alert, but she looks harmless. Right. Right. And he has sharper teeth. If I'm being honest, he's never bitten me, but like I brush his teeth. Yeah. I'm a good person. <laughs> Not that you have to every day, but I brush his teeth when they smell particularly bad. Of course. And he has these little dagger sharp teeth that are, I call him a shark because he is a shark. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So what is the process of, because you, you said like he trained. So what's the process of getting like a seeing eye dog? Oh, it's extensive. Like, are you talking about the process for me as the handler or for, or for him as a dog? Oh, either or both? Either or both. Yeah. Um, so for me as a handler, if I'm applying for a dog, it depends. The process is slightly different if you're getting your first versus your second dog. Mm-hmm. But um, in the long run, you send in an application. The um, This organization reviews your application um, and they either ask for a video of your pace and your your mobility skills, or they send out a trainer to assess your skills. Okay. Because if you don't know how to use a white cane and you don't know how to orient yourself to an environment, they're not going to give you a dog. Because if you can't even tell yourself where to go, how are you going to tell a dog where to go? You know. Right. So after the um, the trainer comes out, you know, and reviews your lifestyle and whatever with you, or like they have a phone interview with you, then you go off. You know, they give you a class date and you go and train at the um, at the campus. And 
as of right now, I'm not sure. There's a, like 13 guide dog schools or something in the U.S. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Seeing Eye is one of the biggest. My first two are from the Guide Dog Foundation. So London is my first from the Seeing Eye, which is the oldest school in the, uh, in the U.S. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, they opened their doors in 1929, I believe. Oh, wow. Again, well, don't quote me to your research. Nope, a lot of time. <laughs> um, yeah, no worries. To the audience, and not necessarily to you. No. Ow. Right, but, I need to do uh, some reading too. Yeah, cool. no. So I mean, like, I need to brush up on all of my history and things. And then they bring you to to class, you know, when they're when the dogs are ready to be with their forever handler, forever person. And the person either trains, depending on the organization, they can either train for two weeks or twenty five days. Okay. If you're a first time handler, depending on the organization, you could train for almost a month because you have to learn. All these little nuances, there's a lot of ground to cover in that sense. But Mm -hmm. because this is my third dog, I was only at the seeing eye for two and a half weeks. Okay. For London's training, again, it's different per program, but they find puppies. They have a breeding program. Right. And puppies are born, and then they're with their mother. But they, even when they're teeny tiny, they're starting to get accustomed to, like, different toys. And, like, steps, little, like, playground steps. And, like... Uh, tunnels and things like that you know even from that young of an age Mm -hmm. they're starting to desensitize them to certain things and see how you know each puppy reacts and it doesn't seem stressful but to some extent it is because they're they're not allowed to just be puppies if that makes sense yeah absolutely so then when they're with their mom they're learning little bits and pieces you know they're growing and developing and then at right around like two months of age they are given to a puppy raiser and this is where the true work begins. This is where they get their little puppy vests and um, they go into public access work. So they'll be doing like obedience and going to different environments and things like that, like the mm-hmm. grocery store and the library and campuses and, you know, maybe a concert here and there. So they do that stuff for about a year and some change pending somewhere around there, like 10 to 12 months, depending on the puppy. And like, again, if puppies, if the puppy shows any sort of like, you know, fear or anything like that, there's a good chance that they might not make it as a guide. So they might either go to a different program or they might, you know, have to be released and adopted out. Yeah. It just depends. Like it takes a really, it takes a really specific type of dog to make it as a guide. Right. Um, Because they have to be non-intimidating. You know, they have to be able to communicate well in harness and things like that. So after the puppy is you know, done being raised, like they go through a lot of public access and a lot of training, like obedience work. Um, puppy raising is when the raiser, you know, gets the puppy accustomed to like your home environment and like don't go on the furniture and like things like that. Right. Um, so after that period, the puppy goes into formal training where they learn actual guide work, like, you know, stopping at curbs and how to stop at the top of the stairs, going around obstacles. Mm-hmm. using the harness so they're learning how to use the harness at that time and learning how to respond to the handler giving them direction so i mean and then they get paired with a person that's a whole other train like we, you know like i said i trained for two months with london or two two weeks two and a half weeks there we go yeah um but it's it's pretty extensive they go through like these dogs go through a lot and it takes anywhere from 50 to sixty thousand. you know just at two years of age like he's two Oh, and wow. that much money has gone into him, you know, in training, in veterinary bills, in whatever, blah, blah, food, Absolutely. all of that. It's like buying a car. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's highly, highly trained. Um, but that doesn't mean he's not a dog first. Like, they're always dogs first, yeah. you know. 
Of course. Yeah. So, because I, I, I know nothing. <laughs> And I was really interested to have you on here because because I don't like there's a lot of things I don't know. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to to London, like what are, what is the, the etiquette around a guide dog? Like for 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 other for others for example. For others, okay. yes. Um, <coughs> the simple answer is acknowledge the person first. You yeah. know, like I always get people who ask my dog questions, and I find that very strange. Like I know there's there's a lot, like there's a ton <laughs> of dog people out there. I get it. But first of all, common misconception, guide dogs can't read traffic lights. They're not going to tell me when to cross. That's all me. Okay. The thing that they do prevent is getting hit by a car or bicycle because they'll stop. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's the difference between a guide dog and a cane. The cane will find said obstacle. Like I'll run into it with my cane. Right. But the dog will avoid it entirely. Okay. Um, So, I mean, acknowledge the handler first. And I mean, it's hard to do because people love dogs. You know? Yeah, of course. Uh, but ultimately, I should be the one interacting with said other person. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost kind of rude to acknowledge the dog before me because the dog is technically a mobility aid. Right. You know? Right. Like, it's like talking to a wheelchair <laughs> or crutches or something. You know? Like, it's the same concept. Mine just happens to be alive. Yeah. But, I, I mean, the other thing is, pending on the service dog, um, you know, obviously don't pet um, don't talk to the dog. Don't feed the dog. Even eye contact can be a lot for some dogs, you know, okay. like, oh my gosh, they're staring at me. I don't know if they're wanting something from me because dogs are very visual. Yes. Right. Yeah. So if you're boring a hole into the dog's head by staring at it, they're going to be distracted as to what they're doing. Yeah. Um, this is even accounts for like those crossing the street. Like if someone makes eye contact from across the street and say that I had a very excitable dog, the dog would pull me into the street. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's like a danger. It's like covering someone's eyes while they're driving. Right. Um, or like when they're doing something important. It's the same concept. Like a slight interaction with a guide dog while it's working is, well, a distraction. It'll of course. take them away from the task at hand. Yeah. So, I mean, when he's out of harness right now, but his demeanor is like, just for those who are listening, London is on the floor. Um, and he's chilling. And he's chilling. He's chilling so hard. He's chilling. But he's just the type of dog that that's just who he is. Yeah. If it was onesie, she'd be over by you. Being like, hi, can I have some love, please? We're doing a podcast. Oh, what's that? Like, she would just be everywhere. Oh, you know, yeah. like, oh is this your couch? I love your couch. Like, that's just... But, you know, London's on the floor. He's like, yeah, whatever. Right. Yeah, whatever. But that's just the guy he is. He's, he's yeah, whatever. Oh, that's very cool. Um, so, I mean, the dogs do get a break, contrary to popular belief. Service dogs, depending on service, they do get breaks. Okay. It's, um, I mean, it's different per type of dog, right? Like, yeah. for example, I mean, not that I do, but, you know, say that I had a dog for, you know, epilepsy, seizure response or seizure alert. If the dog is pawing at the person or alerting, like, that's not the dog being rowdy. It's them alerting to something that's about to happen or has already happened and they're alerting for help. Yes. You yeah. know, like, there's reasons as to why these dogs ex- exhibit certain behaviors. Yeah. Right. And if you do find a service dog without its handler, obviously, it's like, um, dude, my human needs help. Not, please pet me. You right. know, like, there's a difference. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it just depends. All yeah. right. And how does and how does um, how do children factor in? Because I know that has to be a totally different. It's really hard. It was really hard for me to not let kids like interact with onesie because she loves kids. But the thing is, her personality she would have jumped on them, which might have resulted in like you know like 
injuries and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With him, um, if I take him out of harness, like if I let anyone interact with my dog, it's typically, I typically tape a gear off so that he knows that he's not working. Okay, right. It's very important for me to do that because I want the harness to signal that he's working. And when it's off, he's allowed to do whatever the heck he wants, typically. Within reason. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, say that Onesie didn't pass away and she was like a pet right now, Uh she'd be on the furniture. Hands down. But she was never like that when she was working. And I was totally okay, right? Yeah, but as a retired dog, dude, whatever you want. You want to go on my bed? Go on my bed. Yeah. But um, I really hold myself and my dog accountable for good behavior. Yeah. Because it's important for him to exhibit that while we're in public. Of course. Um, So, you know, because there's already like this misconception of, oh, the dog is dirty. Oh, the dog is going to be rowdy. Oh, the dog is going to be insert whatever. So it's exhausting for me to worry about that stuff. But at the same time, there's a standard that I have to keep to ensure that the community is seen as pristine, you know, as respectable. Of course. Interesting. Yeah. So, and kind of going along with that, like, I guess we can continue on kind of like, because I know like um, the first time, like one of the first interactions we had, we walked, we were walking to a, like a party together. Yeah. And so I think I have very, very little interaction with, with anyone who's visually impaired. Like mm-hmm. that's fairly unusual for me, you know? Right. And so I know like when we were crossing the street, like I was like, I offered my arm to you. I'm like, well, do you want to take my arm? You were like, no, I'm good. You yeah. know? And so, um, and the only reason I knew that was actually from a previous interaction, oh, really? you know, where someone had kind of like, I, you know, same thing. I was asking questions yeah. and I'm like, so like, you know, like if someone wants to kind of, you know, how does that go guiding you somewhere or whatever? You're like, oh, you know, you can offer your arm. Like, don't grab me. Like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm out of the bag. I'm like, oh, you know, and just things like that. <laughs> I can relate so hard. I'm right, I've got a bag. Don't yeah. grab, you know, and, that, and that's the only reason I knew that, right. you know. Did someone it, say they're not a bag to you? I think that was the exact word she used. She's like, like, I, like I offer your arm, I'm not a bag. I'm not a piece of luggage. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm just moving around. Yeah. And, and it makes sense, but I think because people don't necessarily know, you know. Right. And, they, and I think it's one of those things... Um, and I almost equated, I almost equated to like what oftentimes what parents do to children right. is they always assume you need help. Right. And then you hear, you actually hear the children go, I don't need your help to do this. Right. <laughs> like, I can put my pants on, you know, right. those things. Yeah. And I think we as adults also do that to people, you know, not, in, yeah. right, not intending to be offensive. Right. It just happens, you know, and right. then you're, right. And so what are things like that that come to your mind where like either like misconceptions or things that people do and you're like it would be better if they did this like you know what I'm saying like those different things yeah the most annoying misconception is when people presume that I'm oblivious to my surroundings typically I mean unless I look lost like completely lost like any other person who looks lost I'm not lost like I could be pausing for a second to figure out where I am but I am not lost yeah um if I'm lost I'll ask someone Uh that's how other people would do it I don't see why that's any different for me yes it's funny because my parents like I've lived in their house since I was 13 Mm -hmm. I moved out of course like several times but now I'm living back with my parents currently until I can get a condo out here in Chicago. But my dad and my mom both are like, there's stairs there in front of my house. And I'm like, I know this. I live this. I've lived here for as long as you have. Like, they remind me every time where the stairs are to the front of the house. And I'm like, I know there's stairs there. But it's just become so ingrained in them to it, tell me where the stairs parents are. Parents be a parent. <laughs> but even my friends will do it. Like, oh, really? They'll forget. They'll be like, it's over there. I'm like, what's over there mean? You know, like, they'll generalize and point. Yeah. And I'm just like, 
so does that mean to my right to my left can you be a little bit more specific but everyone has like not all blind people needs overly specific information right? right like there's varying degrees of blindness so if you say it's over there to your left on the table you know say that i'm looking for the remote here if you say it's to your left on the table at the bottom left corner of the table you know that might work for someone who is totally blind Right. But you can just say it's to your left on the table. And for someone who has partial vision like I do, I might be able to find it right away. Yeah. You know, like it's different per situation per person. So can... <laughs> yeah, for sure. So <laughs> do you find this a lot? Uh, do you find that people assume that you're totally blind? All the time. Okay. And it's absolutely infuriating. People gawk at me when I look at my phone. <laughs> like they gawk at me. <laughs> And then they they accuse me of faking blindness. It's really annoying. It's now, like offensive. And I was gonna say, but I also have blind friends who are like, "You're so lucky you can see. You're so lucky you have the vision that you do." And I'm like, "I've been born. Like, what do you like? You're so lucky that you have brown hair. Like, it's the same concept. Like, I have my vision and you have yours. And if you're losing it, I'm sorry, but like, I don't need to be reminded how lucky I am to see what I can see. Yeah, because it hasn't gotten any better, and it's not going to get any worse, as far as I know." Yeah, You know, it'll worsen with age, but I don't think luck has anything to do with it. I'm thankful. I'm grateful to have the vision that I do. And I use it to the best of my advantage, you know, to the best of my abilities. Yeah. But every single person is different. Yeah. So I love it when I'm, when I went to NIU and uh, Northern Illinois University. And oh yeah, um, it's funny because I would get on the Husky bus and I would sit at the front, you know, like designated whatever seating and people would stare at me because I would have my, my guide dog was Jim at the time. He was this huge black lab poodle cross and they would stare and like, just look at me funny. And I'm like, what did I do? Like, why are you staring? I understand I have a huge dog at my feet, but you know, it doesn't mean like you have to bore a hole into my head. Like I know you're staring at me. Right. And then I get weird questions from people. So like on the bus, for example, they're like, are you actually blind? And this time I was a douche. I was like, you know, I don't care anymore. I'm so fed up. I'm like 19. I just don't care. So I pulled out a textbook, put it on my lap and pretend to read print with my fingers. Because oh, no. I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Fuck you. You know, like oh. I'm just done. You know, like done. Oh, no. Like it's like the stupidest shit yeah. that people ask me. Of course. Like, like I had a guy follow me and then he's like, can I ask you a question? I'm like, you just did. What do you want? You know, like, what do you want? <laughs> right. Like, I, since living in Chicago, I have less tolerance for bullshit. I'm sure, yeah. Like, I used to be this quiet, like, whatever, suburban girl. I Like, nothing would... Like, I'd be unhinged internally if someone would interact with me like this, but, right. like, now that I've lived in Chicago for a year, like, a year is nothing, but, you know, like, I still have less, like, you, the bullshit's gone. You gotta like, cut through it. The cut, it's just gone. <laughs> you gotta cut through the shit. But, like, the, this one person's like, does your dog watch you while you go to the bathroom? And I'm like, what the fuck question? What? Why do you, what makes you think that that's an appropriate question to ask someone? <laughs> you can laugh as loud as you want. Like, it's a belly laugh. No, it's, it's like. And then I have people who comment, oh, there's a dog in here. He's staring why? at me peeing. I'm like, what is going on? Why? What the fuck is going on? Why do you want, me, I, my question would always be, would be things around like, why do you want to know? Like, it's like. Does your dog just sit there watch you pee? Like, why? Yeah. And <laughs> then I've the had matter? someone be like, is that a male dog? He's not allowed in the in the restroom. I'm like, stop. Stop. No, I've had someone tell me that. Stop. Like, people have misgendered me and been like, you can't be in here, sir. And I'm like, what? but I'm a woman. And people are like, 
Is your dog a man? I'm like, he's a male dog, yes. Well, he's not allowed in here. I'm like, but he's a service dog. What the? He's a bathroom. What the hell? Like, (laughs) what? Just the weirdest stuff. People are so strange. I mean, like, they're just so strange. Okay, I feel way better because none of my (laughs) realm of thinking has ever gone. No, just this past weekend. Uh, this last weekend, they had Sofa at Navy Pier. Yes, the yeah. The Sculpture Expo, I think. Oh, yeah. But I had a guy, like, I was talking to the curator because it's true. I'm like, what the hell? Like, sculpture, maybe. I don't know what's going to happen. But there are folks who, you know, it doesn't matter if you can see the paintings. They have, you have people describe them to you. Yeah. So, initially, I problem solved. I was like, I don't really go see art. Like, I don't really enjoy it that much. But I really enjoyed this experience because I kind of, like, you know, pulled up my pants. And I was like, I'm going to be social. My introvert heart is quaking, but (laughs) I'm going to be social. Awesome. So um, I went and talked to the curator, and then I went to the next uh, display and talked to the curator there. And I was talking about the pieces, and I'm like, excuse me, can you, like, describe some of the pieces in here? And he's like, yeah, sure, and he starts talking to me. And from my left, I hear a guy. And I'm like, (sighs) so I tell him, you know, the curator, I'm like, excuse me, pardon me just for a second. I'm sorry to interrupt. And then I whip my head to that guy and I'm like, can I help you? <laughs> Is there something that you would like? You know, because I'm like, I'm done with people just being obnoxious. Like, can't you see the person holding the leash is having a conversation? Right. The dog's being absolutely good. It's the pe- It's the person that was being obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he was just making noise and he's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> can I help you? Like, is there something that you need? The dog is working. And he's like, oh, he's working? I'm like, yes, he is. If you wouldn't mind, I would like to return to my conversation. And the guy was like, is he really working? Like, what does he do for you? I'm like, I just want to learn about the art, you know? Like, <laughs> Here we are again. Alone. It's like, you wouldn't treat a wheelchair this way. Why are you doing this? Like, it's a dog. I get it. It has eyes and it can stare at you. But London's not exactly the type to be distracted yeah. by people he doesn't know. Oh, good. So yeah. he pretty much ignored the guy. He kind of gave him this look like, bro, stop. She's going to yell at you. Um, <laughs> which I'm so thankful for. Because, <laughs> you know, he was just sitting down at every display while I was talking to the curator. Yeah. So the guy's like, oh, sorry. And, like, he turns away. But he's still standing there, like, hovering. And I'm like, He's going to cost me later. So I finished my conversation with the curator and I made my hasty exit. You know, I'm like, I'm leaving. And I hear, my friend hears the guy talking to the curator. Is she really blind? And the guy's like, yeah. You know, the curator was like, yeah, she's actually blind. Because why would a blind person come to a sculpture exhibit? Like, he was just totally rude, right? Like, just saying all this shit about me. And I'm like, come on, bro. Like, I don't go up to be like, why do you have a glass of wine? Are you an alcoholic? Like, (laughs) it's, you know, it's shit like that. Like, why would you... What makes people think that that's appropriate? It's, it's, like, it's... And then and then this guy comes back later. He came back later to find me when I was alone. Oh, no. And he grilled me about my blindness. It was insane. I'm just like, this is private medical information that I don't have to share with you. You know? <laughs> there's, like, there's, there's you know, He's like, I just really like dogs, and your dog is great. Like, he's really clearly well-behaved, blah, blah, blah. Like, where are you from? And what's your eye condition? And like, da, da, da. And I'm just like, if you're not... If you're only grilling me because you're curious and not because there's something going on where I can help you, you know, like I don't have to answer to you, especially if you're being super freaking rude to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like there's interactions that I enjoy, you know, like I had a lady yesterday. I posted about it on Facebook. Actually, my dog and I went to nibbles and nosh. Okay. And there were stairs. Like as soon as we got in, there's stairs going down. So he stopped at the top of the stairs. Cause otherwise I would have gone head first careening down the stairs. There's four steps and I didn't want to hit the bottom. So, (laughs) We found a table, and then I had this 
really nice old lady, like, you know, come over to me. And at first I was like, oh no, please don't ask to pet my dog. I don't want to say no to you. You look very sweet. And she just was like, I just noticed you and your dog and I wanted to tell you that I'm going blind and like, I wanted to ask you a question. And I'm like, okay. And she says, how do you cope? And, you know, that it just blossomed into a conversation from there. Like, she's yeah. like, I'm not quite to the point, and I'm too old to get a guide dog because I'm 93. Oh, wow. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, in my brain, I'm like, whoa, that is. I'm like, you never know. You could. And she's like, no, I just don't know if I would be able to care for the dog, blah, blah, Right. But, and then she, like, thanked me for the conversation, which was super. She doesn't have to, no one has to thank me for the conversation. But, like, it was super sweet, you know. And it's things like that that are, like, Whoa, that was really cool. She's like, I know I'm not supposed to pet him, so I won't look at him, blah, blah, blah. It's stuff like that. It's like mutual respect and understanding. Absolutely. Super cool. Love interactions like that. I love people who are enthusiastic about it. I love being enthusiastic. Yeah. But it's just the approach. And I I guess that's the one thing that I want to like really stress is that it's not any different with someone who has a visual impairment or someone who has CP or someone, you know, in a wheelchair, like just treat them like people, you know, treat us like people. I don't want to do awesome then. Like treat people like people. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And it's, it, it's, you know, it's unfortunate. I think part of it is people, I don't, I don't even know how, like, they just don't know how to, inter- you know, they don't know how to interact. Like yeah. they don't know what they don't, I, I, I don't even know. Like when I was in college, it was, it was a perfect, when I was in college, I made two friends, mm-hmm. uh, both in wheelchairs mm-hmm. and both uber delightful young ladies, um, I'm totally spacing on one of their names and the other was Gabriella and just, but just delightful, you know? And it was like, oh, I met them and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like, can I ask a personal question? Sure. Like, you know, and, and basic questions about being in a wheelchair, sure. like, and basic yeah. for me, more etiquette questions. Like, right. you know, should I, you know, what is, you know, doing this versus doing this right. or, you know, what's appropriate versus what's inappropriate, right. so on and so forth. And I'll <laughs> You know, and then as you get comfortable with people, you know, it's like one of those things where you're comfortable and we're friends, you know, and so, and I'll never forget, right. um, I try to think of the young lady's name because it wasn't Karina, but it was like, I remember we were like, you know, we're all talking, you know, we're, co- you know, we're in college, everything's blah, 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 and we have this interaction and she said, she cracks a joke or whatever. And I was like, wouldn't it be so funny if I tip your ass over though? <laughs> like the people don't know what's like the next table over, like the fuck did he just- That is messed up, bro. Yeah, No. No. I have similar um, interactions with my friends. If my friend doesn't, like, <laughs> if I miss a step and I trip, she's like, oh, man, I was a bad guy, dog. I'm sorry. Like, it's just funny stuff like that. Or um, if I didn't see something and I, like, say that there was a pen on the table and I went over here and grabbed it, like, my depth perception issue. Right. My one friend would be, like, blind much. And I'd be like, fuck you. Like, it's just right. so funny. Like yeah. those, inter- But everything is subjective, right? Yes. Yeah. What works for me might be super freaking offensive to someone Absolutely. Else. You, know, you know, like, it, I take things fairly lightly. Yeah. Um, for example, I don't like people, like, touching me. I don't like being grabbed or something out of the blue. Of course, It, yeah. like, startles me, you know, because I don't see it coming. Yeah. But, like, other people might be used to that, like, natural, like, you know, that stuff for me is, it's not something that I really grew up with. Yeah. So it startles me. Yeah. Um, same with, like... Things buzzing around my head or people touching my head. I get really, like, head shy because I don't know if it's, like, going to hit me in the face or something. Right. You know? Yeah. But everyone is different. And that's something that is super important to remember. Like, you and I are two different people. Yes. And we have different ways of how we react to stuff or interact with stuff. And it's it's funny. We actually share that. I hate 
being touched out of the blue. Yeah. I hate being surprised. Like, I, and I have a, a co-worker and I love her to death. But, like, just the other day, she, like, snuck up behind me. Yeah. And was like, boo! And, like, it, it's one of those things. It takes me, like, moments. Like, I just want to. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, whoa, what? <laughs> I just want to punch you through the face. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. I just literally want to put my face through you. Like, my, my fist through you. Yeah. And, it, you know, and it's. I hate, I'm getting more comfortable using the term PTSD mm. in relation to myself, yeah. you know? And it's something that stems from after my deployment, right? Like, like I don't, like, people are like, oh, let's go to this haunted house. I don't go to haunted houses. Because if someone jumps out and scares me, my, my reaction isn't fear. It's, it's it's anger. It turns, you know, there's oh, like anger. I get defensive. Oh, really? It's just yeah. immediate, like put my fist through it, you know? Yeah. And it's, um, and it's just something, it's just something, it is what it is, you know? So for me, it's just not something I want to get involved in, put myself in. But when people like do that, like, boo, yeah. I'm just like, I want to put my fist through you so bad. And so it's just like, yeah. and she did it. And I know, and it, you know, I don't want to say. Harmless. Yeah. Right. She I don't want to. harmless, but it's not. Yeah. And I don't want to be, yeah. you know, that, that dude. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But, like, I remember, like, cause she went, she she did it and she went to the bathroom. Uh-huh. And I just remember for, like, the next four or five minutes, I was just, like, breathing. And I'm just, like, Trying she to didn't, calm down she didn't mean it. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't, like, you know, she's she's delightful. Yeah. You know, it. but, yeah, like, just trying to calm down the reaction. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I can, I can uh, like, agree. I, you know, I can totally sim- uh, empathize with that. Yeah, like, it's like it's, a panic attack. Like, you could, like, in a panic attack can come out of nowhere yeah. for me. Yeah. Like a bad interaction with someone, like someone who grabs me out of the blue if I can't get out of it. Like yeah. it, it goes for me, I go into panic. Yeah. So like because it's it's jarring and disorienting. You're just yes. like, ah, and then you have to take a minute to be like, where am I? What did I do? What just happened? You know, and like I said about the guy, like about someone who's behind you, you know they're not stalking you unless they truly are. But for me, as someone who can't see it coming, right. it feels like I'm being stalked. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, I'm going to, so I'm going to ask actually through, so we, I can't remember, over this summer, this past summer, sure. I went to a drum corps competition. Yes. And, which was great. Oh my God, it was awesome. <laughs> it was amazing. I loved it. And at my alma mater, it made me so Yes, happy. at NIU, yeah, oh which I hadn't been there, because the, that used to be like the Cavaliers yep. like, training spot. Yeah. And I haven't been there in, in yeah, in probably mm-hmm. at least a my last competition wasn't there, so it was over 10 years for sure since I've been there. Uh, and it was a great competition. We got to see it. I didn't get to see Madison Scouts, but got to see everybody else, which was great. Um, missed them. I never saw them live this year, which was like, oh, because their show I really wanted to see mm-hmm. and such. But so what is that experience like for you? Cause, cause, I, like when I, cause I, when I, I remember posting online like, "Who wants to go?" And you were like the first person, like, "Let's go!" And I'm like, "Oh, so you know, that'd be so great, cool, you know, blah blah blah." And we get, you know, so we decide to go. We go, and I, I remember thinking to myself, "I'm like, huh." I wonder what that experience is got is like, like yeah. you know, like you know, because you have limited right vision. It's all right. right. So what is what is that experience like for you? I guess I'm there for. The sound and the vibes. Okay. Right. Like, I can see folks moving, but I can't see the definitive pictures they're making. Okay. You know, like, I can see the somewhat of the, what you call it, the set? No. Um, ah, I can't think of the word. Like the props? Not the props. Um, like, how everything is synchronized, right? Okay. Like, the un- uniformity of it all. Okay. I could tell that, but... Um, in terms of the little details, like the set pieces, um, I can't really make them out. Okay. So 
when I am sitting there, it's more about how the people around me react okay. to the visual um, aspect of it. Yeah. And I can sort of see what's happening. But that's why it's hard when people like don't film it because that's how I can zoom in and see it better. Yes. But it's also hella rude to performers. So, yeah. like, I'm mindful of that because I am a performer. Like, I, I did perform in the past, and I get that. It's just a camera is kind of an extension of my eye. Mm-hmm. So when I'm able to use the camera to zoom in to see the picture better, it dramatically helps me understand, like, what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. Like, I go there for the vibes and for the people and for the sound. Yeah. but. It's sometimes hard because I, I want to be able to see more and I can't. Yeah. But the other reason why I film it is because I want to be able to look back on it and be like, oh, yeah, that's what that looked like. Yes. And actually stop it there and be like, that's the picture that I want to remember in my head. Okay. So okay, I love I love the experience. And the thing is, like, DCI events are really hard for me to get to because I can't drive. Right. So I take every opportunity to go because I love the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, so I'm like super thankful that you know you wanted to go. Like I'm glad that I was able to go. Oh yeah, we'll definitely go. Go again next year. Yeah, for, oh, yeah. I guess. Because I'm, I'm currently carless. Like my like my. Oh break, no. Well, my yeah, which is because I would have <laughs> offered to pick you up, like or or even come to you. My yeah. the brakes on my car. Oh when, no. And I don't know if you've ever had your brakes go out on you. Oh, oh or, that's well, terrifying. I'm sure no. it is. No, I've never had that happen. Though. If anybody, I, mean, I have kind of. <laughs> I could explain it in the way of a guide dog. Okay. <laughs> So, Jim Dog. Um, Jim Dog was my first guide dog. Imagine a 20... He's, like, super tall, 27 inches, so his shoulder was about as high as this table. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and we were crossing Michigan Avenue, and the dog dead stops in the middle. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know? I'm just like, what the hell? Yeah. And he just takes a massive shit in the middle of Michigan Avenue. Oh, it wow. It was, like, freaking, like, like, whiplash. I'm like, what the hell just happened? I guess this is breaks working, but, you know... Um, it was like a sudden, like, oh my god, what's going on? Like, you know, you're do do crossing the street, do do. You know, dog takes a poop out of the nowhere, oh, and I'm wow. just like, what the heck? You know, like <laughs> this is traffic, bro. Like, I we can't just stop here so you can shit. Like, <laughs> oh no. So like, I do get it in a sense where you're just like taken, you're unaware, you're like, whoa, what, what, right. what's going on? Um, yes. You know, but. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was very similar. Like my yeah. car just took a shit. So <laughs> yeah, you're just like wait, you're not supposed to work like that, what? right? And I was like, like what? I, mm, I've never had the pedal touch the floor like yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, like, you're I was like, just like, like oh, oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally, so, I totally get it, but with a dog. Yeah, and so I it, it like the only I move it because they do a lot of street. You know, yeah. sweeping. But other than that, like, and it was like, every time I, I get paid, I'm like, I should get my brakes fixed. And I'm like, oh, but I could use that money to do something else. And so, like, I just, yeah, it's probably been like three months now since mm-hmm. I've driven it, whatever. So, yeah. So, it's just like, uh, um, but yeah, we'll definitely, hopefully, buy, we'll definitely buy next summer. Oh, yeah. I'll have it fixed and we'll do another show. Cause yeah, this year, this year was Tons so good. Of fun. It's so much fun. So much fun. And London will be joining us too. Just yeah. And that would be fabulous yeah. for sure. Um, so you actually kind of alluded to this. So we actually met um, because we were both members of Lakeside Pride yeah. uh, Marching Band. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been playing? Um, so I started playing trumpet in fifth grade. I played like piano before then. I started piano when I was five, but I never could read any sheet music. I know note names, but I can't patch the notes together to make sheet music work for me because the note would have to be the size of this table. Oh, so right. it's... 
you can't have sheet music. I mean, you could have one note per wall in here, and I'd be able to get it. But who reads music like this? Right. No one. You know, panning left and forth in his head movements. No one does that. Plus, right. you wouldn't be able to play your instrument if you had, you know, brass or woodwind instrument. So, yeah. And then I started trumpet when I was 10, and like on and off, you know, from fifth grade through high school, and then my first year in college, and then briefly, like, in jazz ensemble. So, mm-hmm. And then I, you know, was at Lakeside Pride with y'all. So it was a hot minute before I, you know, prior to Lakeside Pride where I picked up my horn. Oh, so, wow. How long have you been in Lakeside Pride? That was my first year. Oh, so this is your first year too. Yeah, I okay. only barely made to any practice, but, you know, I made it work. Yeah, <laughs> Thankfully, no. Thankfully, there's no field show because I'd be screwed. Yeah, yeah. I'd no, that screwed. Definitely some five things. I loved marching band, like, growing up. That was, okay. my, that was my jam. Yeah. I loved it. Loved it. Oh, oh, very cool. Yeah, I did. I did marching band all in high school. Um, did two, two or three years in college, and then did DCI for three years. So yeah, that was good. It's good. Yeah, so it's fun. Uh, what do you know? There's something about being a brass player. You know, in like. I love being a trumpet player. Yeah. I wish I was better at it. Oh, me too. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like okay-ish, and that's if I learn all my music properly, right? Because yeah. I have to listen to I learn by ear. Okay. So that's like really hard for pieces. I'll get the sheet music anyway, right. but when I'm actually at like doing a concert or something, I have to do everything by memory in by my memory. ear. God forbid if they tell me the wrong song, I'm screwed. You know, but I'll, I'll hear the first notes of it. As long as we don't have note number one, I think I'm, you know, I'll get it, but right. even still, it's just like, well, shoot, I have to like rewind my brain now and figure out what song this is and like it's a whole slew of interesting complications yeah um but yeah no i love being a brass player it's it's fun like it's different in a sense where you like there's no there's no repercussion for being loud right you know like you have that like like that's where i feel confident being a little bit cocky yeah oh for sure (laughs) because i love how loud it is yeah Um, i actually got this tattoo on my arm um, because of my trumpet playing this. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's okay. the infinity symbol with the double forte. Yeah. Because like being loud. So yeah. um, I incorporated the double forte in there as kind of like a, you know, um, a mantra to always live loudly. I, I like that. Um, so that's why I have that tattoo. But oh, very cool. Because I'm a trumpet player and I like to live loud. So. Yes. So I feel like that's a good segue into talking about... Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I know. When I brought this up earlier to look at your doop, face, doop, yep. you were like, mm-hmm. doop, doop, yep. So, are you dating? I am not dating. Okay. I'd like to be dating, but, you know, it's like I live in a very, like, I mean, it's getting better. Are you, well, where, where are you located now? I'm located in McHenry County. Okay. So, it's kind of a hike from here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like... The queer space in McHenry County, is, it's getting bigger. Like, the okay. community is getting bigger, okay. which is exciting. But also, like, dating apps and, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I like pe- meeting people organically, you know? Like, okay. like, at a bar or something like that. But I don't know. I haven't dated in a hot minute. All right. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, and but you did. You also actually just recently graduated. Yeah. From DePaul, right? From Adler. Okay, from Adler. Adler University, okay, yeah. and and what was that for? That was for my MA in counseling with 
a specialization in sport psychology. All right. Yeah. All right. Because yeah. I want to help the community that helped me rebuild after I got injured. So uh, of course. Yep. Of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's excellent. Well, see, that makes you that that's your. I feel like for dating, that's always like <laughs> you have to add like the laurels. <laughs> Look what I have! Yeah. I have a I have a domain now. <laughs> you can all flock, flock. <laughs> I'd rather like have a job than a relationship. <laughs> but you know, yes, yeah, I feel you there. Uh, like it's so hard finding work out there because like yeah. everything requires you to have a driver's license, and that's the thing oh. with dating too. Like everyone's like, I have a car. Do you? I'm like, no. And then they, you know, I mean, I I seldom get communication from folks, but when I do, it's just like, do you have a car? And I say no, and it's like an immediate deal breaker. No. Oh. I'm like, I have a really cute dog and my sense of humor. Like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> just, you know, and like, I don't care, you know, women, men, like non binary, I don't care. Like, I'm all for everybody. Yeah. But like, people, people are so picky, depending on, you know, like everyone has a type. Yeah. Um, and that's something that is hard for me because I don't really feel like I have a type. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't be like, ooh, you look like a blah, 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 blah. Like, I. If I genuinely connect with someone, mm-hmm. it's like I immediately have a crush on people I connect with, right? Like, because it's it's far and few between because people don't like to talk anymore. Yeah, like yeah. it's all digital. True. Like, granted, I used to be a keyboard warrior. Like, I would freaking type my everything out. Yeah, because it was easier, and it, you had the, you know, the the veil of anonymity. Yes, but you don't. There's human interaction is really hard. Oh, it if is. That's, if that's all you're gonna do. Yeah. Um, and then people are like, well, if you're typing on this, how are you blind? I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> goes back. It always goes back to, uh, are you really blind? Are you really blind? <laughs> oh, my. How many, okay, in a, in a, so let's say in a month, how many times do you actually get that question? <laughs> that to me is just. Are you talking about like in public? Like yes. Like public people? Yes. Um, I want to say it happens like twice a week. Oh, no. It happens very frequently. I can't imagine. So, I mean, like, I have introvert tendencies because of stupid people asking stupid questions. Granted, questions are okay. I don't, like, I'm not rejecting questions, and I don't, like, I'm not saying people should never ask questions. I'd rather people ask questions. But, like, but that's think just, about the questions you're asking that just before you ask so, them. Are you, are you, aren't you just lying? Like, <laughs> Oh, no. Like, I, uh, it's funny because my my manager, it was the district manager when I was working at the Halloween store. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, I'm not going to tell which year I worked. But, you know, it it was funny because I was helping with him, helping him. And uh, I told him, he's like, can you grab that over there? And I'm like, what's over there? And he's like, over by the, the box over there. And I'm like, can you could be a little more specific. And he's like, the box to your left. I'm like, okay. And what am I looking for? He's like, the you know, the wrench on the ground or something, you know? And so I found it. And he's like, what was that about? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm legally blind. And he's like, what? Why are you blind? Like, just like, just like, loud, just like loud what? bellowing. Why are you blind? Why would you do that? Yeah. And I'm just like, because I want to be blind. What the, like, I mean, that is a thing that is, you know, a mental illness somewhere. Yes, but, I'm, sh- I'm sure. You know, like, yes, like it's called transableism, but that's a whole other topic. Oh wow! Okay. Oh my gosh! But oh. anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was an interesting interaction with with my district manager, and like it's just like that. I don't think he meant anything by it, but it was like, oh, but you're doing so well here, you know, type of situation. Right. Like people presume that disability. It's like, oh, I mean, she's trying her best, but we're 
we're not pushed in a way that like normal people are, quote unquote. Right. Like there's always this presumption that there's a lot of things that can't be done because of disability. Yeah. And like people presume that if you're disabled, you're really fucking disabled. You know, like blind right. is really blind. Like you are really blind. Like, you know, insert all the media stereotypes. Like you're wearing shades and your eyes are glazed out and like you're staring at the ceiling all the time. <laughs> No, like, no, 90% of people who identify as blind have some sort of usable vision. Yeah. Only 10% have no vision whatsoever. Yeah. So there are varying degrees of blindness. Of course, yeah. There's a spectrum, so to speak. Yeah. And I actually have a, I have a, I have a friend who, like, when I hear you say that, I have a friend who um, has MS. And because of that, like, like, that can flare from being, you know, like. Yeah. What seems like nothing to like very disabling, yeah. And, and so I know like she because um, because of that she actually has a, a placard right mm-hmm. for parking things like yeah. that. I don't know. She's commented in the past like people will be like, "You're not disabled." I hate that. It drives, me nuts. it drives me nuts. It also drives me nuts when people take up the handicap cell in the bathroom. Oh, I'm so sure. It's really annoying. Because I'm like, how am I supposed to fit myself and a sixty pound dog in a three foot space? <laughs> right. And some little lady comes out like, sorry. No, oh, oh, oh. there's those, there's so so many stories. No, I can only those imagine. the bathroom and the dog alone. Oh, no. so many stories. I can only imagine. And like, it's one thing if if said person has like you know claustrophobia or like there's some sort of whatever. I understand that, but if you're on the phone to be in the like if you're on the phone and on the toilet at the same time, that's just creepy. Like. That, or if you're, like, texting and you're not knowing about the time and you just want the space. That's just creepy. <laughs> like, what are you move doing? to a smaller stall. Yeah. Like, unless there's a good reason or unless you have, like, a stroller or something like that. Yeah. I just, it's so frustrating because, like, people in wheelchairs need those, you know, the support bars oh, for on the sure. side. Like, yeah. it's a needed thing. That's why it's there. Yeah. So, I mean, I was at the airport and the accessible stall was taken. And so I had to cram my dog and myself in a space as big as this table. Oh. And <laughs> if there are moments where the stall is smaller than this table, the you know how the doors have a cutout in the bottom? Mm-hmm. The dog just has to lay outside of that, like on the other side. Oh. So then I scare about 20 other people coming out of the bathroom. Because right. there's a dog randomly in the aisle. <laughs> like, there are reasons to why those stalls, stalls exist. Stalls exist, yeah. Um, then you get commentary like your dog is staring at me like it's rude to stare or something. Lady, <laughs> so really? I've really? had children come into my stall and I don't say anything. You know, I'll be like, "Don't you have parents to go to? <laughs> like, what is your parent doing? Right. Why are you in my stall? What's going on?" Because you got a dog here. It's <laughs> not a place to be. Oh, no. I mean, you can be a little bit more inconspicuous with a cane, right? Because you can fold that shit up. And, like, I mean, that's the nice thing about having a white cane. It's just, like, but people will think that your cane is, like, like a steering lever or something. Okay. Like, I was taking the CTA. I don't remember where I was going. But I had my cane unfolded, and it was in front of me because I was about to get off. Yeah. And people were getting on, like, two stops before I had to get off. So I had it out, you know, in front of me. Mm -hmm. And someone thought it was a support rod for the bus. So they grabbed my cane, which scared the shit out of me. I dropped my cane. They held it looking weird. They're like, what is this? I'm like, not what you're thinking. (laughs) I love, I love how sweet 
and actually like kind you actually are because i can only imagine with my personality i'm like it's a fucking cat <laughs> are you robbing oh, me they get, they're like oh yeah do you need your stick i'm like i can call it a stick you can call it a white fucking cane motherfucker right like no excuse you that's, you know like don't call it a stick if you don't know what it is that seems like more of like my perception i'll be like fuck get my fucking <laughs> yeah get my stick back yelling at people <laughs> Yeah, no. Look at my face. Yeah, like, oh, I had a lady. So when I didn't have London, you know, I was using my cane frequently to go out. Um, And I I didn't know she was there. I was walking past her. And she's like, you know, she made a huge arc around me like I was a disease. Right? And she looked back and she's like, don't hit me with that thing. I'm like, because I'm going to purposely hit you with my white cane. What? Seriously. Did you have any... I would have like, did you have an experience? Like, is this, is this a story? I don't know. She's like, don't hit me with that. It's just, like, so, astounding <laughs> what people say. Like, it's only... so strange. Oh, gosh. And, like, you know, again, these are just my experiences. I'm sure other people have so much more. But, like, you know, from behind, I don't look disabled. Like, disabled doesn't have a look, per se. It's right. just media portrayal, right? Right. Um, but in the front, people are like, you're actually blind. I'm like, you see this right eye? It doesn't know where it's going. <laughs> And I constantly have an earthquake in my head. Oh. Yes, I have a visual problem. Yeah. You know? Um, it. I don't know. Like, half the time I don't know where my eyes are looking. Yeah. You know, I know this one is straight. I think my left one is looking straight forward, like centered. Yeah. I know my right eye, I have strabismus, you know, I'm cross-eyed with my right eye. Okay. So, like... You know, everyone's eyes look different. And people get weirded out. They're like, why is your eye shaking? I'm like, because I have an earthquake in my head. <laughs> you know? Because it's like, why do you thing. care? Right. Like, why do you care what what my eyes are doing? Um, <laughs> but if I go to, like, a new doctor's office or something, the nurses yeah. will be like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, your eyes are shaking. I'm like, I know. I know they're shaking. Aww. Stop telling me that. Stop telling me. <laughs> Leave me alone. Because, like, I only really, like, sometimes I have double vision, you know? Okay. Um. But, like, it's especially prevalent at night because, like, if I'm staring at, like, a TV screen or something, like, yeah. the, the image will shake. Oh, okay. So, um, it's, like, uncontrolled eye movement is what nystagmus is. Okay. Um, but people are like, your eyes are weird. I'm like, I know they're weird. <laughs> Don't tell me your eyes are weird. I already know they're weird. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> Give me my money now. Like... You know, like, if you had a dollar for every freaking stupid comment right, I, was gonna I say, get, well, who would I'd be make, filthy rich. Who would make, I like, I just can't imagine making that statement. <laughs> your eyes are weird. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and I feel like, like, your hair is brown. Like, what the, you know, like, or I don't like your shirt. Like, what? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> just like, whatever. Give my money, right? <laughs> We're back to give my money. Like, how many times... <sighs> Do people have foot and mouth moments? I have them frequently. You know, I'm just like, oh my, like, like that moment that I had with you. I was so embarrassed by that for like weeks. When? Oh my God. I was so embarrassed. By what? <laughs> I don't even remember what. You don't remember? Thank God. Because I was so embarrassed by that. Like. So what was it? Tell me. I don't remember. I have the remember world's worst. Do you remember the straight worst. comment I made? No. Oh my god. So I have the I world's just, worst memory. So I, <laughs> I felt like such a jerk because you reacted and I was like, shit, he's straight. Oh no, what did you say? Well it was like I don't know what you said. You're like, well we have to go straight here and it's like something that I was like, Oh well that's gonna be hard to do or something like that. I don't remember what exactly it was. Like it's not very memorable, but you're like, Oh yeah, haha and I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> 
shit, I was an asshole. Because, <laughs> like, no, like, I always catastrophize everything. That's just how I am. I'm like, oh, man, did I offend this person? Like, I go on through this. It's anxiety. You know? Like, yeah. it's, it is what it is. I'm like, man, fucking math moments. But I'm learning how to let that stuff slide because Absolute. I always make it bigger than it is. Absolutely. But I did apologize to you later. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's no problem. I'm like... But still, I felt bad. Yeah. What do I do with myself? Oh, no. But it was, you know, like, I just presumed, like, you know, presumed that Lakeside Pride, like, it's, you know, an LGBTQ affiliate. So I just presumed. And I think everyone Um, does. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't always have my sensors on, but they're on very frequently. Like, I'm very careful about how I say things and what I say. Yeah. Um, Especially with new folks that I've just met. Yeah. But, like, I was like, shit, foot and mouth moment. Don't open your mouth again. Like, be polite. Don't ever mention anything else. <laughs> Just, like, this spinning wheel of, like, craziness no, that ensues no, whenever I interact with folks. I'm like, this is why I'm an introvert. I should never leave my house. Like, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going home, but I'm never yeah, leaving again. Yeah, like, when I was at that party, I'm like, am I eating too much? I shouldn't eat too much. Wait, do they want me to eat too much? Like, it's just... <laughs> This crazy, like... And I was eating my ass off. That chicken was so good. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I was like, I was like, so that chicken. Oh, my gosh. Chicken and, and like, sweet tea. You know all the like, guinea oh, pigs are in their houses? They're like, what is with all these people? people. Whenever I, was, I go to a restaurant, London's like, you're eating again? Oh, my God. Like, he looks at me like, this is so dumb. Why are we doing this? Why are we here again? You can eat when I'm not around. Uh, like, it's just hysterical. That's awesome. <sighs> Um, so something you actually mentioned, and I think I had made this an assumption, mm. um, what you, you mentioned earlier in the conversation about government assistance. Yeah. And so what, what does that entail or not entail? Cause I, I think I had made this kind of like based on previous interactions with people that like, like, cause I think I had said something to you like, like about transportation, it never even occurred to me that you're going to be taking public transportation. <laughs> Oh, and I, no worries. I think I had so assumed that you weren't going to be driving, but I think I had never really thought beyond. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, you were like, oh, I'm taking public trans. And I was like, oh, I was shit. initially going to, but yeah. like, I made a mistake and slept too long. So oh, I had, a- <laughs> like, no choice but to take the. Because if I wanted to get here on time, to- like, relatively on time, I was going to have to take oh, that's fine. Thing, um, the ride share. Yeah. But um, I guess what I'm wondering is, like, your understanding of government assistance? I think it's different for everybody, but... I mean, I don't really... I, like, I, have, I don't have any necessary per se. Like, I have... Because most of my friends that have any disability are in wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. So they have... They use their, like, metro... Is it a met, the metro program? Where they... The, like, the bus comes and, you know, so on and so forth. So that's, like, pretty much my only exposure. Are they here in the city? Um... Adam, I'm trying to think. My friend Adam is not. He lives on this, in the Southwest Burbs. Um, and I can't remember. I don't even know where my friend Gabriella live, lives or lived. So I couldn't say. But like that's like really my only. And I think kind of in my mind, it was kind of like, oh, some variation of transportation. You know what I'm saying? And so it hadn't even... I hadn't even thought past that, you know, just yeah. hadn't even occurred to me. <clears throat> I mean, like, thankfully we have rideshare, like, this is something that we didn't have, like, 10 years ago, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, rideshare was a new thing. Uh, and it's convenient, but there's always a risk, at least if you're a service dog handler, Yeah. of people saying, I don't want your dog in my car. 
And that happens frequently. You know, understandably, if people don't, don't want dog hair, it's their property. Yeah. But they're providing a public service. I was going to say, is that even legal? That's what that I was thinking. That is illegal. Like... That is, I mean, they can get fired for that. It can become a lawsuit. It has become a lawsuit with Uber and Lyft. Oh. Um, like, multiple lawsuits about this issue. Right. Um, people have lost their jobs, which is devastating. So whatever, I get a denial, like... I always notify the driver. Some people, like, everyone's different in how they approach this, but I'm really, I guess, considerate of, like, people's allergies and asthma and things like that because I have friends and family who have those conditions. Yeah. So if I call the ride, I notify you and tell you that I have a service dog, you can take the brunt of that because it's your choice as to whether you want to take me or not. Um. You as the driver. Um, So, like, if the driver cancels, you know, like, I give them the benefit of the doubt. Oh, no. Speaking of the devil. Dad, give me my dog, please. Technical difficulties. Oh, no worries. (laughs) Good boy. Um, So, I mean, with all of the, like, transportation is extremely important. You know, not just for, like... People with disabilities, but potentially for the elderly, oh, like of you know, kids who can't aren't of the age of where they could drive yet. Like, I mean, who wants to rely on someone else? You know, like someone in their family to constantly drive them somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be one of those people, and that's why it's a little bit harder for me to live in the suburbs mm-hmm. because I have to rely on my mom. I have to rely on my friends, and sometimes our schedules don't align. You know, like transit is important, and I wish that it was more. You know, plus it would provide more jobs. Almost everything's like, you know, going into the digital age of robots doing everything. Right. Um, I mean, I am intrigued by self-driving cars. I was just writing that down <laughs> to actually ask you about. Um, so, yeah. So, we can um, talk about that in a sec. Yeah. Oh, man. You're going to have like a nine-hour podcast. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> as long as it's okay, you have to edit. I no, love, it's totally okay. I'm really, no. like, I'm, I like audio editing. That's something that I enjoy doing. But... Anyway, that's besides the point. No, you're um, fine. The, the transit stuff is important. And um, I think that, I don't know how much of that is handled by the government, but, you know, Metro is so outdated. Like, just this week alone, we've had like 20 or 30 alerts saying that trains are going to be delayed or you know, mm-hmm. issues and things. And I mean, at this day and age, that's just not acceptable to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I missed something that I had to go to because of the Metro being delayed. Oh, sure. Um, just last week, right after the conference or the um, the SOFA exhibit at Navy Pier, I almost missed my train because they had never made an announcement that the train was going to pull in on the other platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so my friend, like if, I, if my friend wasn't with me, I probably wouldn't have made that train. Yeah. Because we initially, we initially crossed the tracks halfway, right? Because they had stopped the train just short of right. the path. See, I'm like a, you know, when you get distracted by something that you see outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that with my ears. No, I hear it's, something, and I'm like, "What is that?" And it's funny because like, I heard it too, and I yeah. was like, "What is that? <laughs> like, what is that?" Yeah. So I had to run across, like, you know, we went across the track, not realizing that there were wires all the way down, so we couldn't cross that way. Yeah. So we had to go back onto the platform, go down the stairs, go around to the other side, oh, go shit. upstairs, go up the ramp, and then go into the train. Right. Now, try doing that with a dog, having a 30-pound backpack, and having to pee really bad. Right. Like, 
oh my gosh, you know, right. like it's stuff like that that like boils my blood because like the lady behind me who couldn't run at all, she missed that train, oh. and there's not another one for two hours. Oh. It was freezing outside. Yeah, like what would she have done? Where did she go? Did, is she okay? You know, like right. you know the the person inside of me, like the empathetic person's like, what the fuck happened to her? Yeah. Um. So I mean, in that regard, it's super important. Um. Other assistance wise, like for example. Uh, I don't know. I receive a check every month. And, like, everyone's like, Ugh. I've had someone be like, you're a waste of my taxes. The fuck? Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. When fuck? I used to be on Snap, I had a lady look at me. She, like, gave me this really dirty look. She's like, you're a waste of my taxes. And I'm oh. like, thank you for saying that I'm not worthy to be a person. Right. Like, it's daunting yeah. how cruel people can be. And it this these services... They really do help people. Oh, for sure. Like, I'm sure there are folks who abuse it, but I'm not one of those people. Right. Um, and if the system wasn't as broken as it is, like, if I could get a job that's a whatever job and get extra income without losing the benefits that I already have, mm-hmm. I would do it in a heartbeat. I'd get a job tomorrow if I could, if it were that easy. Yeah. But... You know, I have to make more than insert X amount a year. Like, I have to make at least twice that to survive. Right. right? Yeah. It's barely anything. The government barely gives you anything in terms of financial support. Right. And if you make an ounce of money, they take it from you immediately. Right. I had to go through a lawyer just to get back on. Oh, wow. And it was hell. Like, it was hell to go through all that entire process. I had to pay the lawyer. Like, it was expensive. Right. So it's a deterrent for people with disabilities, for really anyone who doesn't, you know, they want to work, but they don't want to lose their stuff. Yeah. It's an absolute deterrent. Like, why would I work if I already have the stuff that keeps me barely alive, you know? Right. So, I mean, it's helpful, but it could be better is where I'm trying to drive at with all this rambling. Oh, for sure. Um, so <laughs> you mentioned, so the self-driving car, it is yeah. interesting because just this conversation, cause I'm pretty, I've up to this, ju- to this juncture been very pretty against it. Um, and that's been based and that's been, that was a kind of based on an article and I, I would say it was the Atlantic, but, but, and it's funny cause actually one of my, one of these, one of the episodes I did, we actually, this comes, this, cause this is, I think a more, a much more increasingly uh, you know, topic that people are talking about. Mm-hmm. So we actually looked and I found the article, at least found one. I was like, okay, it was definitely this. So I think it was the, uh, the Atlantic, but it might have been the economist, <laughs> one of the two for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, but it talked about what the effects of the electric, of the self-driving car were going to have on society. And so they were actually linking it, uh, to, uh, Andrew Yang and his talk about a, um, what, what does he call it? Hmm. Uh, but a basic income for everyone, I can't think of it. I feel like it's a, oh, UBI, universal basic income. And this idea of like giving people a certain amount of money um, monthly to live on. And they kind of were saying like when the self-driving car becomes an actuality, you start selling self-driving cars, self-driving trucks. They were saying, you know, this just certain amount of people are out of jobs, you know, taxi drivers, truck drivers, um, which I didn't know was happening, but someone was telling me, because I haven't been on the, the, the tollway forever, but I guess the tollways are switching over to automated like systems now that like actually can give change back. 
I was like, what? They're like, yeah, you can put money in the future. Ready and money change to come out. I'm like, holy shit. I remember losing like dollars, just throwing quarters in that, (laughs) throwing quarters in it, like, open the gate, please. Let me in. And like, they're like, no, you can change out now. And I'm like, holy crap. But they were talking about like all the you know, millions of people who are gonna lose their jobs, basically over you know over a span of like five years, and like you know the, how that's gonna change the restaurant industry, and obviously mm, Uber because yeah. I think Uber is trying to develop a car. They've already done that. Uber uh, both have developments. Out, okay, out Lyft, yeah. Google, Amazon, yeah. and so like you know they were saying it's just a race to see who's first, and right. then like and so it's interesting because I had never really thought of like for example yourself mm-hmm. who could then own a car. And and be. I want to get me a Tesla. Get, oh my god, I want it. <laughs> Everybody wants a Tesla. I want to get me a Tesla. I don't, I don't give a shit. I'll bring my CI dog and my Tesla everywhere. Absolutely. <laughs> I know everyone who talks about I mean, Tesla. I want a self-driving Corvette. That would be like a dream come true. For oh, really? oh, oh, I love. Well, I have a Subaru, and I love my Subaru to death. <laughs> I love that company. They were yeah. like their customer service has always been the best thing ever. Yeah. So like, I would get a self-driving Subaru. <laughs> I mean, like, don't Teslas already park themselves and, for the most part, drive themselves? I've seen self-driving. I don't know how extensive the self-driving mode is. There's a... Okay, I almost brought up some bad stuff. Um, Okay, well, forget it. We're adults here. (laughs) There's a video of a guy having sex while his Tesla driving. Oh, interesting. And he's not driving driving the car. And he's like, like, oh, me and my girl having sex while it's in self-drive mode. (laughs) Well, I mean... Okay. I guess that's, you know... All right. So, I don't know how extensive the self-drive mode is, but I know, like... I think it was made for, like, standing for traffic. So, you know, it can go and stop and go and stop. But I don't right. know how far beyond that it goes. But I've seen videos of the self-driving cars out in Arizona that are, you know, they go from... There's a video on YouTube. It goes um, from the garage... To destination, you know, fully, and the person's just sitting there with their hands in their lap, and it's just like the car's going, you know, and it's like, oh, that's so scary. It's scary to me. It's scary, but then I'm like, well. So, what are your thoughts on this? Like, are you in favor of of the self driving car? I am, and I'm not. Okay. Um, I am because think of how many, like the high percentage. I don't remember. I think it's like ninety percent of of accidents are human error. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, like people are distracted as hell when they are driving. I hate it when people text and drive. It drives me nuts. Constantly. It drives me nuts. Constantly. It I see when there's a biker. Constant. <laughs> it drives me absolutely batshit crazy. Yes. Like if you're going to talk to someone, call them. Yeah. Like, I don't like it when people are like, oh no, it's fine. I'm just driving. I'm like, you're driving a machine that can kill another person. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, I've almost gotten hit by a car, I don't know, like three times in the last week. Oh. You know, it's because people were like looking, like if there were extra safeties to make sure that they would absolutely stop if there's a person in front of them. Yeah. It it would make a whole lot of difference. How many how many cyclists get hit by a car in Chicago every year? One just got killed this week. Like it's it's so frequent. Yeah. Because drivers are distracted. Yeah. So in that regard, I mean maybe with the help of a machine, it might be better. Oh yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, but on the other side of things, if it was all digital, cars can be hacked. Yeah, they can already so, be. Because that's yeah. Tesla's been hacked before. Yeah. Okay. I know this. I know I it has happened because yeah. the car got shut off. Right. Yeah. Like there, there's you know the danger of that is like you can have a car like purposely kill someone and be mm-hmm. like oh no that shuts down the entire company and then like the movement's over or whatever. Yeah. 
but like it's just there's so many possibilities to even consider yeah um I mean, obviously, it would help me in a sense where they could have specific self-driving cars for service dog users um, so that there wouldn't be any issues with discrimination. Yeah, yes. Um, there wouldn't be any issues with people being, oh, no, I'm allergic. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm in a car that's probably been ridden by like 100 other people with service dogs, so it doesn't matter if my dog is in this car. Right. You know? Um, it's really hard because, like, seldom do I leave my dog at home, yeah. but if I have a friend who has allergies or slash you know, they just don't want the dog in the car. I respect that, but it kind of hurts me at the same time. Of course. You know, yeah. because it's like, then I have to find arrangements and my dog is like my car. Like he gets me from point A to point B mm-hmm. safely, you know, like it's just the sidewalk version, yeah. you know, and crossing the street version of a car. Yeah. Um, granted, I mean, it's, there are parallels. Like you have to put gas in your car and you have to put food in the dog. Like, you know. Right. <laughs> but, uh, like, it's just, I don't know. I, like, it'd be cool if it finally came out because I want to try it. I am curious. Yeah. I think it'd be surreal. I'd probably be like, am I high? What the hell is this? Uh, yeah, I think you we know? all But would. I have driven a car before, so I, I would know, like, something would feel definitely off. <laughs> like, I'm a perpetual passenger. I've been a passenger my entire life. Of course. Um, I mean, I did drive a go-kart on my birthday, and it was... So much fun. Was it good? It was so much fun. I wish it went faster. Okay. But I was like <laughs> terrified that I would like roll over if I went any faster. So I mean, it's a go kart. How fast could it possibly go? But you know, it was fun. And my friends, my oh so fun friends, they've allowed me to drive their cars before. Yeah. So they've given me driver driving lessons, and it was fun in that regard. Yeah. Um, like it's experiences like that that doesn't make blindness as bad you yeah. know like yeah. the people in your life that make it so that it you don't you're not missing out that much because i remember when i was 16 and everyone was getting their license and like it was hard because like getting your license is like a rite of passage you know like right. you are like cool now i can get my license and if i have a car i can go wherever i want like i can roll my windows down blast my music and just let loose it's not quite the same if you can do that walking Right. You know, like you don't get that freedom. So, um, suburbs aren't a bad place if you have a car and if there's a lot of transit. True. But it is when you have to walk everywhere to some degree, because if it's wintertime, there's snow drifts, sidewalks aren't always shoveled. Mm -hmm. There's ice to be concerned about. Like there's more dangers than, than safeties in my opinion. Of course. Especially when you're on foot. Of course. I mean, and when you're in a car, like putting on ice and all that stuff. But yeah. at least you'll get there faster with a car than you will on foot. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a good advancement if there are going to be self-driving cars. Okay. It's just a matter of how it's executed and if it's careful. True. Very true. Um, like they have to be meticulously careful with this. Yeah. We'll, Not we'll, we'll see if that actually happens. We'll, but, so I was going to say, we'll but, see. You know, We'll see. It's yeah. It's in. a machine apocalypse. Watch. Oh my gosh! Yeah. You know, but you know, to me, it's 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 inevitable. So it's just kind of like it's true. Trying to set it up for the best possible outcomes, <laughs> rather than like I'm like you're not gonna stop it. It's gonna happen. And I just what who was it? The USPS just got approved for 
a drone delivery. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, so that'll be crazy. It got so they were the first company to get approved. Well, the first organization to get approved for drone delivery. So that, I keep telling people, I'm like, yo, that would freak me out if I'm like, if I see a drone coming past yeah, my yeah. window. Oh my gosh. No, I will flip. <laughs> oh my gosh, I just watched a Criminal Minds episode where the um, the unsub. Um, you know the the criminal, so to speak. He was using drones to, um, you know, to take his victims. Oh wow! Yeah, it was that's you know, horrible. To, like, murder his victims. That's it was, so horrible. <laughs> I don't know. I I just find shows that like really kind of wake your brain space up. Very you know like engaging. Have you watched Black Mirror? I have not. Oh, watch Black Mirror. Is it scary? It's 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 a new era twilight zone but all focused around technology Interesting. so the horror you know it's like is there any gore i'm really bad with gore no 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 it's more psychological okay oh i love psychological thriller i love psychological um i have a friend who just started watching it and Mm -hmm. she actually because i tried to get her watching for like probably like a year or two yeah and she was like i'm finally watching it it's so good i'm like Mm -hmm. wait she was like but you can't like she was like, I can't binge watch it. I'm like, yeah, because it, it freaks you out. Because <laughs> it's all based around technology. It's all like, you know, these stories of people, like technology has become so advanced that this situation exists and kind of the, the you know, the horror of that. You know, and it's it's kind of hard to explain, but it's great. And um, No one is safe. Like the first season only has three episodes. So really? Yeah. It, huh. Like when it came out, the first season, because I didn't start watching it till season three. And I watched mm. all three seasons in probably like four days. I was just like, you know. I'm sad that it's ending. I'm sad that Colonel Wines is ending after the 15th season. But it's oh, 15 it? seasons yeah, long. It's 15 like, seasons woo, long. Yeah. Woo, it's a good show. Yeah. Uh, some of it I'm just like, ugh, cringe. But, you know, it's so, a good show. So actually, the, the my last question yeah. <laughs> is about something you talked at the very beginning. Oh, okay. So tell me about, was it Goal Ball? Goal Ball. <laughs> I gotta oh, hear about this before I look it up. Oh, I, you know, tonight I'm like gosh. watching video after video. Yeah, but this is from coming from someone who doesn't like goal ball. I was I was actually gonna play goal ball this morning. What is it? Okay. So imagine. Okay, so look at the table. Okay. And imagine a basketball court. Okay. Okay. So imagine a basketball court, but from one side to the other, imagine a hockey net that takes up the width of the. Um, of that side of the court. Okay. On both sides. Okay. So like a giant goal from one boundary to the other. Okay. Okay. And then imagine, I think it's, I think like three people. All, their prerogative is to block any goals from happening. All right. Right? Hence the goal ball. The goal takes up the entire back end of the court. And there's three people. <clears throat> there's, like two defense people and a center person. Okay. As far as I know, if I'm remembering the game right, you might as well look it up because I don't know if I'm remembering it right because <laughs> I'm just not a fan. I think it's comical to watch. Some people are like really into like they're very intense. There's a U.S. goalball team. Like it's a huge thing. Oh, cool! It's, it's like they go to the the Paralympics and everything. Like it, it's elite stuff. And there's a whole headquarters in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh, it is a basketball it's, court. Okay. Yeah. I'm Are you watching pic- right now? I'm, no, I'm looking at pictures. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is so, a basketball court. So, then you have tape down for each player, right? So, that's their part of the court they protect, right? And the ref hands over the ball. You know, the, the, it's like a handoff, you know, like when you're giving the ball at the beginning of a game or something. Mm-hmm. Similar concept. The 
audience that's watching the game or listening, depending on if you have any vision or not, it has to be entirely quiet because the ball that they are given is kind of like a medicine ball okay. filled with bells. Oh. Okay. It's like a giant... Jingle. Well, it's, it's, it's like a... I don't know. It kind of sounds like a sleigh bells okay. in a medicine ball. Okay. Yeah. It's really annoying. <laughs> I'm an asshole. All the people I'm, I'm, I listen to this podcast I'm on, they're like, you hate gold ball? I'm like, I don't hate gold ball. I just... You're not a fan. I mean, you're throwing yourself on the floor to catch a ball with your body. Like, essentially, they're throwing the ball back and forth from one place to the other. Okay. Trying to get a goal. All right. Everyone's wearing a blindfold so that it's equal playing grounds. Okay. And you're padded up, like your knees and your arms, and you have elbow pads and stuff like that. Um, But you start on your hands and knees, and the only time that you ever stand up is to throw the ball. Oh. It's like, they do like a bowling motion when you're doing, when you're bowling. Okay, yeah. And like, some people will do a spin and then chuck that ball. And like, it's almost like playing dodgeball, but there's no wall that you can like hide behind. Right. You know, if the ball hits you, it fucking hits you. (laughs) And I understand that throwing people for judo makes no sense, but this is like, I don't know. Like, I just, I have to sit there and. It's amusing for me. That's, it just sounds why. terrifying to me. Well, it is. I've that's been hit in the face. Like, I've played before. Like, people are like, have you ever played goalball? Yes, I have. So. <laughs> being blindfolded and hearing a big jingling ball coming I also, I also me. played blind hockey. That's a lot of fun, oh, too. That, okay. All uh, right. There's a whole bunch of sports out there. They have blind soccer, blind hockey, like oh, wow. climbing. There's a whole bunch of adaptive sports out there. All right. It's really damn cool. But yeah. goalball and beep baseball, I'm not a fan. Okay. Um, yeah. So you know what, and I'll be sure to <laughs> post the, the, to add disclaimer. Some... <laughs> not an asshole blind person. Please do not unsubscribe. No, I'm totally gonna make a point to 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 do some research and post some more information about like some of these sports so people can learn. Because I yeah, I've never even heard of goalball. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, it's not exactly common knowledge in like you know the regular sport world, right? You know, like it's like soccer for blind people. Okay. There is blind soccer too, like where it's like regular soccer, but everyone's blindfolded. But goalball is different, where it was specifically designed not, for the blind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, is there anything else that you you want to talk about, or anything you want to throw out there? Anything? Be kind. Rewind. I don't know. Be kind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ultimately, it's it's you know, like it's be a, be a good person, you know, like whatever that means to to one. You know, to you or to anyone else, like, I think it's just an ultimate, like, golden rule type situation. If you come across someone who looks like they need help, ask them if they need help. And don't be offended if they say no. Yeah, you know, oh, I for think sure. that's the message that I really want to get across to folks. Like, if you find someone on the street and if they say, no, I'm good, truly, they truly mean that. Yeah. Like, I'll ask for the help if I need it. Oh, for sure. But that's where I'll leave everyone else. All right. I dig it. Thank it's you. Good stuff. Thank you so much. It's like much. a really long interview. Oh, it's fine. This is not my, it's not even close to being the longest. I'll oh, tell really? You. Oh, not even close. No kidding. Oh, not even. No, the longest, I think, when it, we read like three hours and 10 minutes. And I was like, yo, we got to wrap this. I was like, 
we gotta wrap this up, G. And it was, yeah, we were still, we could have still gone. Like, it easily could have kept going. Like, wow. we were just, we were just doing it. So, yes, no, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, sure. It's early. I mean, you came over early. It's, it's like almost two o'clock now. Um, and actually, it's so funny. We're watching, so not watching per se, but, uh, the UFC, uh, fight night in Moscow has actually been playing this whole time. I put it on. So it's just been going in the background and it's not even to the main event yet. So I'm super happy about that because I'll get to watch Zabit Nurmaga Sharapov. I believe is he has the longest name ever and it's hard to, but he's a, he's a, he's a jujitsu wizard. And so he's a, He's done some submissions I've never even like seen before. I'm like, who would do that to somebody? <laughs> so, so like, it'll be great. Oh, what's wrong? I'm, I'm just curious. Like, you told me about your jujitsu history. Yeah. But like, what other like martial arts have you done? None. None. Just None. Jiu-jitsu. What brought you into the into the community? Uh, so I started doing jujitsu um, when I was in Afghanistan. I had a teammate <clears throat> who was a purple belt out of New York. And he, we'd run into each other. And this is something I noticed in my deployments is that I, like, I started, you, you try to get to things that remind you of home. And that's what yeah. I've, I've like, I've never watched baseball unless I was deployed. I've never watched football unless I was deployed. And I, and I wasn't, which most people probably don't even know necessarily about me because I'm such a big fan now, but I wasn't really a fan of the UFC for many years. Ooh. So I started watching like a heavily, when I was in Afghanistan, like I just like and the live events would there come on like three, four in the morning. And I usually start work if I was doing fob security, like base security, I start working at six. And then if we were doing like if I was on because I was also on two combat teams. So if we were doing like missions for that. We usually got started about nine o'clock. Combat sounds intense. It did. Well, you know what we were. One was the PMT. So that was a police mentor team. So we'd go out and and do mentoring and training with the police, mm. uh, the Afghan police. And then the other was the uh, EM. I see if it was PMT and then EMT, which was uh, which was a mentoring team for the. I can't even think what the name of it was, mm. but it was a mentoring team for the army. So like those two different teams would go out, and one would kind of do training and do like uh, just just uh driving around the the region you know our region with the army and the other would do the same with the police so i was on both of those teams at different times and then i was also doing base security when i wasn't doing that and so uh one of the guys that was on one of the teams we'd we'd run into each other watching ufc fights and so one day he was he started talking you know like he was like yeah you know he goes you ever trained i'm like no He's like, you know, I train in New York, you know, would you be interested in training? And I was like, sure, you know. And so we had some puzzle mats that we found, um, put them out. We had an a outdoor ba- basketball court on our base and we'd bring the puzzle mats into the basketball court and train. But because it was outdoors and usually it was after we'd been out working all day, you know, so we were like, we'd get out there and it's still hot sun, it's hot. We, we've worked all day, we're tired. So we did up training for like 20, 30 minutes at a time at best. You know, and so because and he was also like his hot son and he was white and like that son is hot as hell. <laughs> like and it was like 100 degrees. And so, yeah, so we trained for very limited amounts of time. And when I came home, I really wasn't doing very well transitioning um, back to life here. And so I called him one day and we were talking and he was like, how's everything going? I'm like, oh, not too good. And he said, you know, have you been training? And I was like, no. He's like, you should go train. You really like doing that. Like that, you know, that was a lot of fun. 
And I at the time didn't know where to go or whatever. And it just so happened I had a high school friend who had just started doing MMA. Mm-hmm. And I actually uh, Facebooked him and asked him, like, where should I go to do jujitsu? And he was like, oh, there's a school in Lincoln Square that's really good. And he had, I think he had said that he either fought somebody from there or he had fought somebody, you know, he'd seen somebody fight from there. And he'd say, he goes, you know, the, the guy was really good. You know, that's a good play for jujitsu. And so I, I literally went, uh, I, th- I actually said this in a previous interview, but like I went with, uh, this girl I was dating Emily. Um, and we, we went, she, she went over there with me. It was actually really funny because there used to be a marbles brain game store and we were walking through Lincoln Square and someone's car backfired and I dove into the, the door and marbles, <laughs> like we were walking past the store and someone's car went bow. And I dove through this like been terrifying. They, oh, it was horrible. It was yeah. horrible. And I like literally. And so you have to imagine all these people in this store, like all staring at this big black dude, like on the floor. Like I'm literally like face down on the floor. <laughs> like, like holy shit, what's going on? And out. she was like, "It's okay." <laughs> and well, it was, I, I completely get that. Yeah, and it was it was yeah. it was a you know. And so we, which actually introduced me to marbles. I had never even been in the store. wasn't intending to go in the store, and we actually ended up going in. And, and um, they have a lot of good games uh, for uh, things, you know, kind of different things like yeah. dealing with attention or decision making, and right. which were issues I was actually having issues with. So, and then we walked over to the, which they was Gracie Baja, and. Um, yeah, we walked in. The guy was like, there's class tomorrow morning if you're interested for beginners, blah, blah, blah. Um, and now, 10 years later, she's long gone. And Jiu-Jitsu is still here. Jiu-Jitsu <laughs> still here. So, I didn't know you were training for that long. I started uh, June June or July. I can't even remember which. It was June or July 2009. Wow. Yeah. That's, and, that's awesome. And so I've been... Um, and it was actually... Uh, actually... A, Similar to like you were saying with your school with the Olympics, when I got back, my Saint Xavier. One thing I'll always say, they were so great because uh, just the time I came back, I was supposed to finish my student teaching, mm-hmm. and I had missed every single kind of benchmark I was supposed like every form I was supposed to fill out, every deadline to do that, and so I came back thinking I would literally just have to take a year off school and wait. And they were like, well, let's see what we can do. And they went above and beyond in every single way so I could take my basic skills test, um, which I wasn't prepared for. At least I didn't think I was prepared for. And I remember my, um, even my professors being like, you know, come see me, you know, when you're done with classes today and we'll sit and talk about this, that, and the other. And, you know, every single person that I, I worked with or came across in that school did everything they could to get me ready for the basic skills test. I took the basic skills test, passed it, got all my forms in, got everything ready, and they found me a late placement for student teaching, which actually ended up being great. It was with a guy um, who's a teacher now at Hubbard High School, Mr. Arredondo, um, and he, he they actually weren't going to place anyone with him because he had, he was such a good uh, a, a good uh, teacher for student teaching that they didn't have anybody that they thought they wanted to place with him. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they were like, you know what? We'll totally put you there if he'll take you. And he said, yes. And I did my observation with him. And he teaches at a school that I actually had a relationship with after leaving CPS in my old job. And um, he's great. And um, yeah, so I was very lucky 
So yeah, that's kind of how it worked out. Oof. So yeah, and here we are. Here we are. <laughs> are you so many are stories? You, and you still have to come to Teen Redswick and train. I do. So I guess that's like super hard because like, I mean, it's one thing if if I could drive, like, but it's hard. I was gonna say you're it's in the suburbs now. I'm yeah. in the suburbs. Like, I wish that I can. That gentrification crap like that—it's so expensive to live in the city. Yes, it and is. And like, it's hard to find a job because every job that I'm running into, it's like, oh, you have you have to have a driver's license, or oh, you have to you know have like X amount of experience. Right. Like, how can an entry level job have X amount of experience behind it? Yeah. You know, like if you have experiences with blah blah blah, a couple experiences, we could train you from here. Yeah. But I feel like. These days, it's like easy way out. Like everyone's going to be trained digitally, or you know what I mean. Like, yeah. there's not a lot of organic training. Like everything is done methodically and technologically, and yeah, blah blah. So yeah. it all depends on like logistics. Yeah, if Metra is going to get their shit together. <sighs> yeah, I I'm calling you out, Metra. I can attest to that. I know. I I tweet them all the time. Like mm. the fuck, <laughs> train and show yeah. up. Like, what are we Hell doing here? Yeah. It's I'm freaking winter. What the dude, fuck? seriously. I'm like, I'm still standing on this platform 10 minutes later. <laughs> I didn't miss the train. It never came. I tweet them all the time. I know they got to be tired of me because I tweet anytime I'm on a platform. And I hate their app because it would be different. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Because right? <laughs> if a train is late, it would be okay if the app said, and sometimes it does. But, like, what I find, especially on the weekends, because my stop becomes a flag stop on the weekends, mm-hmm. and there's always, I can't, I think it's like 11.15. The train never comes on time. And when it hits 11.15, it just drops from their app. Like, it's gone. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, wait, yeah. wait. And so, I, like, I'll tweet them, like, wait. I got here 10 minutes early. <laughs> I'm still standing here 10 minutes later. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This train did not come. It's not, and I just, like, fix your app. That's, that's my only complaint. If you tell me the train's going to be 10 minutes late, that's different. But, it, you know what I'm saying? And it, it gets me so angry. And then, like, I'll tweet them, and then literally five minutes later it comes. And I'm like, what the? Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Whatever. And, yeah. Yeah, they got to get their, uh, they need to get their stuff together. I wish their app would tell you which track, like, if you're going <gasps> from Ogilvy, oh, track that, number, blah, blah. Oh, that would because, be great. Because, like, I have to run around like a freaking chicken with its head cut off. <laughs> Every time I get there. I know there's little buttons you can push, but there's only one machine that does that on each side. Right, yeah. So if you don't find that machine in time and your train is leaving in two minutes, like, I'm right. not, I'm just going to push my face against every single glass surface. Like, is this my train? Is this my train? Is this my train? But if you're totally blind, like, that's, you're fucked. Oh, you're really fucked. You know, you're fucked. <laughs> really fucked. Like, it, With all those things, track number three. Track, track number three. three. How about track number track, three? Track. Northwest line. Track number five. Blah blah line. Like there's none of that. It's just no, track, track number, number three. three. Go number down the four. stairs. Track, track number, number four. <laughs> track number four. Track number four. Got me with a knife. Track number four. Like I just, it just. I God, it's you know that's great and all. I know where track fucking four right. is, but what train is this? What station do you normally go on? Oh, Ogilvy. Ogilvy. Because I go God. to Millennium, and one night I took the last train from Millennium, so I was like the only person in the little <laughs> vestibule, and it was like, track number three, track number four, track, and I started to notice that they don't all go the same speed. Uh-uh, uh-uh, so, uh-uh. so it gets really confusing really fast. So it's just like, it doesn't sound like anything, and I actually thought, unless I said, you walk up to it. I was like, if I could, if I, if I could not see, 
This place would be terrifying it's and horrible. It's a cacophony of gefuckery, seriously. Like, it's just gefuckery. Gefuckery. And, like, there's... Oh, oh, I have beef with Ogilvy. <laughs> their doors don't work. Like, oh. their revolving doors are fine. Yes. Okay. But if you have a stroller oh, no, or a those wheelchair yeah, those doors, or a walker, those doors on the ends... They shut them they off for open, a reason. Yeah. They don't work. Yeah, yeah, I know. So exactly my dog and I have to make a pizza together and like cram ourselves into the freaking revolving, the revolving door, door and like push. A thing. Thankfully, he doesn't have like you know, like issues. I don't know, claustrophobia right, or something. Issues, because yeah. I mean, oh. ugh, it's just a mess there. Yeah. Like can't even. Like thankfully he's so chill, but like yes. Anyway, he he moved barely this whole time. Yeah. This is great. It's he's a good dog. It's just uh, yeah. Like, when we get to places like Ogilvy and oh. like they tell you not to sit wherever, like they'll yell at you and like say all this shit, and you're like, but why? Like I'm not loitering. I'm waiting for a train. Right. You know, like why should I be all the way the fuck downstairs? And why can't I stay inside and not on the platform? Oh yeah, yeah. Like for you sure. can't sit upstairs near the restaurants and stuff. Um, you know, like along the walls. Oh, really? They'll kick you out. Like they'll tell you to either go downstairs or go into the the room with <laughs> all the platforms, which is cold, right? It's cold out there. It's cold. Winter is hit. Yeah, winter is coming. Freaking oh. Game of Thrones and shit. I, I was gonna say. I've, I've been I mean, there. it's like, um, what scene is that? I don't know what movie it is, but when all the people, like, it's like a flood of people. <laughs> like that's what Ogilvy Transportation Center feels like to me. Uh, oh, for sure. Like yeah. you, you have to. It's like battle of people. Yeah. And like the dog is just like I'm fucked. I'm gonna tramp. I'm gonna get trampled and die. Yeah. Like you know, thankfully he's a great guy. He's he'll weave and like you know we'll make it through the crowd. Oh, but like the great. crowd is madness. Oh, yeah, Ogilvy and, like, for sure. Like we can't even get through those doors because. Everyone want, wants to go through the turnstile at right. once. And if you have a dog, like, the dog's going to get caught in that yes. and get hurt. So I wait until everyone has gone through, but that makes me late. Yeah. Or, or I walk to, like, one side or the other, but those doors are broken, I, so I have to find another revolving. It's just, like... Yeah. Hot mess. Like, I'm basically scraping my face against a cheese grater every time I go to freaking Ogilvy. Oh. I... I avoid food it. choices are nice, and the French market's nice. It but, is, yeah. The only reason I had to try to go there now is occasion for food at night, and then they're the, like the only place now you can find it has a Jamba Juice. <laughs> so like there or Navy Pier, it's the only Jamba Juices I've seen in the last two years. There's a there's a Jamba Juice upstairs at Ogilvy. I know that, but yeah, there isn't. There's no Jamba Juice on um, Michigan, Madison, and and Wabash or something. Ma- Madison and Wa- no, Madison and Wells. I thought no, was, close. I, what really? Oh yeah. Is it a Red Robin now? Is that what um, that is? It might be a Red Robin. <laughs> what the fuck? Do we need Close. more burgers in Chicago? Close. Yeah. All the, I, I I've heard multiple stories on why the Jamba Juice is closed. The one I actually think is well because so, protein bar is so much better. No, well, the one I heard that sound like most <laughs> most like I was like okay that sounds like a reasonable story yeah. was that whoever owned whoever was the franchisee for all the ones in the city yeah was was going through divorce and so they had to sell. So they had to dump them, which is actually there was a super successful restaurant in uh, Ukrainian village, mm-hmm. and when the the owner and his wife decided to get a divorce, he had to close. He had three super like uh, super successful kind of high class restaurants, and he had to close. He had to close like overnight because they were like, "You got to dump them." I guess in the midst of you, gotta, they'd start to liquidate everything because mm-hmm. there's no point in fighting over the property rather than just taking whatever you sell it for and splitting that down the middle, and so. 
someone was like, that's what happened with the Jambas. And I was like, okay, that actually makes sense to me. We're in a realm that I really like. I like talking about food. Um, <laughs> have you done all the touristy things in Chicago? Uh, most of them. Because I know like you're you're from here, so like, yeah. it's not touristy stuff to you. It's just stuff. It's you know? stuff, yeah. But like... Have you been to like the Chicago Oven Grinder Co. Whatever, nope. where they upside down pizza? Never whatever, been there. Because like, even though I live in the burbs, everyone is so pissed off. They're like, you're not from Chicago proper, so you can't say you're from Chicago. I get it. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. People are so fucking salty about it. I get it. Okay, but like, no one knows where Crystal Lake is. No, they don't know. So that's why I say Chicago. I have a friend who lives around Lake. That's not the reason I know where Crystal Lake because they're not too far. Right? Either. Like, I mean, if I said Crystal Lake, they'd be like, where's that in Illinois? We're in Illinois, close to Chicago. Oh, you're from Chicago. That's They'll where, do it anyway. So that's where why? Jason Voorhees is from. Ooh, <laughs> Crystal <that's>, Lake. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. Time. Yes. <laughs> the lake isn't even crystal clear. It, it's kind of dirty, actually. Oh, it's gross. I call it yeah, Murky was... Lake whenever I'm there because it's gross. That's gross. Right? Yeah, it's gross. Not a fan. Oh. Um, I want to know. I guess we haven't completed the conversation. It's going to be like an 18-hour conversation now. That's fine. Like, all the food-type things. Like, what about you? What do you enjoy? Like, you've talked about it in your previous shows. Yeah. Where are your haunts? Where do you like to go? For food? Anything, really. Food, mostly, because, like, I'm always looking for food. I always keep it... I keep it... kind of like a bear in the winter. I always look for food. Oh, that's awesome. Now, I keep it pretty low... Low key, um, I've discovered the magic that is the when I'm like definitely like getting adventurous. The Chicago Athletic Association, because they've got I've heard about that. They got Shake Shack on the first floor, the Cherry Room on the second floor, which has amazing food. Like a a young lady took me there on a date once, and she was like, "Let's go over to the Chicago." And I was like, "Okay, never been." And we went upstairs, and it was like a Wednesday night or something, so it was mm-hmm. nobody there. Mm-hmm. Soup, they like drop the lights super low. There's mm-hmm. like fireplaces, super romantic, and everything has that cherry wood, right? Mm-hmm. And like we were, and so we sat at a table. Actually, we sat on the couch, and they were like, "Oh, would you like a drink menu? Would you like the food menu?" I felt like super high class. I'm like, "Oh, this is how the other half lives." <laughs> I like this shit. <laughs> um. But yeah, I like that. I love Superdog. I don't make it up there much now. Cause I used, there's a jujitsu school up there. Oh, right up, right across the street from Niles. So I think Superdog is technically in the city. Yeah. I think, but like it, right across the street is Niles. And then there's a jujitsu school right up the street from there. Uh, that's my favorite hot dog in the city. Um, I like for pizza. I like, uh, uh, beggars. I'm a huge beggars person. Oh, I like beggars too. Uh, I love beggars. Beggars is yeah. good. I know a lot of people don't like beggars, but I love beggars. Um, yeah, I mean, I like Pequots too, though. But Pequots. Yeah. Every, my friend Veronica loves Pequots. I'm love not Pequots. the hugest fan, I like but you know what? I need to go again because I feel like maybe I just. I mean, I was kind of underwhelmed with the sauce. Okay. Because um, I'm not a huge fan. It's like sweet, which I don't like. Oh, see, I like, like sweet sauce. No, I'm not a fan. But I like tangy. I like savory food. Like food that's like, oh, man, I want to freaking throw up because I ate so much food. <laughs> you know, like after three bites, I'm like, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, it makes you feel heavy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, where did my skeleton go? Like, yeah. I'm just made of mass and things. But yeah. um, I don't know. Like, I'm always looking for new food places. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to get to know the food place around here better. Like, there's this place that's super, super duper well known for its barbecue. I'm not going to even say their name because I wasn't the su- I wasn't super impressed. Um, my favorite barbecue place is actually, and it's it's technically still in the city. It's it's on the far southwest side, um, and they have turkey tips. 
and I can't I, like I, I can't even think what the name of the place is off the top of my head. Uh, but I someone told me to go there for their turkey tips. So it's not mm-hmm. instead of getting beef, it's like the turkey ribs and but there's rib tips and they're so good. And I went there and that's like my absolute favorite place to go. Although my favorite barbecue place that's solid in the city is is not far from here and it's um honey one barbecue and they they have a, a, a aquarium smoker so like it's like this like huge like glass smoker they have and the ribs are smoked oh my god actually i had it two weeks ago because uh, it's right next to small shop cycles uh, which is a bicycle shop and i went and got barbecue over there some rib t- i love rib tips i don't like i want rib tips and it was so good. So now you got me thinking about it. I feel like I want to bike over there today and get some. <laughs> Let me go get some barbecue. Find some food too yeah. at some point. Um, but yeah, Honey One Barbecue is amazing. Um, great barbecue place. Um, yeah, I like just kind of going around. Like I'm trying to get more of the places like around here. I've, mm-hmm. There's this place that has rolled ice cream. Ah, in this I love me some ice cream, but I get really sick eating it. Yeah. Oh, you gotta go. I mean, lactose. Obviously. Oh yeah. Sweet. Hey, lactose. <laughs> uh, Rainbow Cone, of course. I think they're open year round now, uh-huh. so Rainbow Cone is the spot um, for great ice cream. Um, if you like gelato, there's Black oh. Dog Gelato. Oh, I love Black Dog Gelato. Yeah. Yes. Good, good, good. You know, good, good, good stuff. Uh, when it comes to, I like the what's the Demos Pizza. I'm a big fan of. Uh, if you ever been near, been Demos, the, yeah. So their you know. pizza is amazing. I'm always trying to find new places though, oh, yeah. but yeah, I'll go wherever. I'm not super picky. What about beef? Like Italian beef? Mm-hmm. I'm not a big Italian beef. <gasps> what? So not. Um, I could probably count on my hand how many times I've had Italian beef. <laughs> like what? It like okay. Well, out of the ones that you relatively sort of kind of sort of like, um, I'm trying to think. I think I've only had. What's the place that has, it's all black and yellow? What's the name of that place? Black and yellow. Yeah, they're, all their signage is black and yellow. Do they have multiple locations or just one? Multiple locations. Because there's one at Wicker Park. Um, and then there's one in the South Loop. Al's? Al's Beef, Beef yes. Yeah. So I've had Al's, I've had uh, Portillo's, and then I've had one other place. Um, uh, between, uh, I don't even remember. Because they also have, Al's has the, you can get the sausage with beef on top. I actually really like that because I like the sausage. So the, the sausage and beef on top is really okay. good. Okay. So yeah, but I'm not a, I'm not an Italian big of Italian beef person. I know a lot of people are. I'm so not. No. I'm still a diehard Portillo's fan. Portillo's, yeah. yeah they're amazing. I'm still a diehard Portillo's fan. They have one of those in Florida where my, do- my daughters live in Florida. Mm-hmm. They have one of that. So one of these days I'm going to make it. I'm going to take them. It's yeah. like from where they live. It's like two hours. It's like yeah. a two hour drive. Yeah. <laughs> I can't decide on pizza. Still can't decide on pizza. Yeah. I'm always looking for seafood in Chicago for some reason. Oh, you got to go over, like, uh, I can't think what the neighborhood is, where Curry High School is. Curie. Where Curie High School is. There's a, on, is that Pulaski or is that Cicero? I think it's Pulaski. It is Pulaski. Um, so you're talking, like, 65th, I think, in Pulaski. Mm-hmm. But over there, there's some amazing seafood places. On Pulaski, there um, like La Morisco's, um, like like uh, Mexican restaurants, mm. but they have the bar, and there's a couple of them, um, just kind of in a row. You just go on a food tour. Yeah. Oh, like- what's the other place? They have the Korean, Korean Mexican, Mexican Korean, like a fusion type place. Yeah, mm. I tried. They used to have Del one. Del Sol. In- Is what's the name of it? Del Sol. No. 
That's upstairs. Um, I almost said upstairs. That makes no sense. I'm Up north. There's one. It's not far from. It's not far from Lincoln Square. Actually, hmm. there's one. Um, not Del Sol. Not Soul Taco. Um, what's the name of the place? Because there used to be one in Midway, and it closed. But they still have the location. Um, because they also have the best pineapple lemonade like I've ever had in my life. Oh. Totally, like, uh, oh, yeah, I'm about to find it. But it's Korea Mexican fusion, and their their burritos are the bomb, bomb. So if you're ever into that, I I can find that for you. We'll get get you that information. There's just all these things I want. Like I want to go to the summer series and like you know watch concerts and things like that. Like it's harder when you don't live here. Like I'm I'm sad that I was in grad school while I actually lived here, but that's the whole purpose of why I moved here. Yeah, to Chicago. Yeah. Um. But I could just be like, okay, I'm going to get a job tomorrow. Like, you know, and then move back to the city. It just doesn't work that way. Right. So, um, you know, and it doesn't hurt for me to help my parents out. And like, you know, help with translation and things like that. So Absolutely. I mean, I don't mind doing it. And, like, people are like, oh, well, you should, like, you should feel kind of garbagey for, like, moving back home. I'm like, no. Like, sometimes you have to downgrade in order to upgrade later. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Absolutely. Yeah, and my buddy, he's actually went to a concert day for yesterday, and he actually commented, he's like, "Dude, it's so hard to lose weight in this town because it's such a, it's a food city." Oh my it's god, Postmates was my bitch when I lived in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, like I just was like, I am so fucking tired today. Don't oh. want to. And then I had Postmates like four times that week, and I'm like, shit, that's a lot of money. Yeah, you know. But I'm like, but I have loans, so I have to pay that later for the rest of my life. You know? Right, that's <laughs> what it is. Ball on a chain tied to my leg, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but I now with Postmates. winter, with winter almost here, I know I'm like, oh, Grubhub, Postmates, do it all. DoorDash, DoorDash, yeah. Ritual. Oh, and they're saying this winter is going to be brutal. So I actually like cold. Yeah, yeah. But like. Snow on Halloween just sucked. I love Halloween. Snow is Halloween ever. <laughs> messed up. I it's supposed to snow Monday. Twice. Oh, wow. And like, they had me clear off their cars, my parents, and I don't drive. So you're welcome for being a good daughter. Absolutely. Because, yeah. I have to go to work. I have to go to school. Can you clear off my car? I guess so. I got you. I got you, parents. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so is there anything else, dear? I don't think so. All right, man. I think so. We're going to watch this fight. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. There's more fights, so yeah, you're welcome to stay and watch. Um, I think you even got leftover pizza. We can just totally break it out. Let's do it. All right, thank you so much for being a guest. Sure. I feel like this Glad is like to have done it. a great, yeah, I feel like it, I, it's like well rounded. Yes, thank you yeah. for being so open, for being so honest. Yeah, um, for sure. And I hope my, my questions weren't too dumb. No. But yeah, but no. you know, just trying to. Like I said, questions are never dumb. It's just, I think people don't think about them before they, before they ask, ask, you know, <laughs> which is fine. But like, how, like, how uncomfortable do you want to get with someone is my, you know, is my, yeah, true. is my question back. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. You don't know me like that. As I was you like, know, no, no. <laughs> you don't know I don't me like know. that. I'm always open to answering questions. Yeah. Just, yeah, I like twenty questions. All right. Hopefully, some people you'll hear from people. We'll we'll post yeah. in episode notes your 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 social media information For if you sure. want and everything. And and yeah, so you know people reach out to you and talk with you and go from there. Dokey. All right. Thank you so much. Not Thank you guys for listening. And yeah, that's it. We're done. Episode. Oh my god, this is episode ten. So <laughs> we're past the pod, we're past the pod fade. 
they, there's a thing called pod fade where oh. like most pods don't get past seven to ten episodes. Uh-huh. So we got it. We got episode ten. Episode ten done, and we'll 10. be actually this is actually gonna be episode eleven episode because 11. people don't know. <laughs> I'm actually gonna post a bonus Veterans Day episode. So yay, that's so cool. All right, and yeah, that's it. And we're out. All right. And that was my conversation with Sarah Chung. I I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. It was fabulous. After the conversation, we did end up watching the fights. We had pizza. I threw it in the oven. It was great. Sarah is an amazing person. So uh, please. I would love to hear feedback. Did I, did I, was there anything I missed? Was there, you know, anything that was surprising to you? Uh, was there things that you learned? Please let me know. Um, if you look down in the episode notes, all of the information is down there, but let me go ahead and give you the rundown. Please check us out on, you know, social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can check us out on our website, which is dionmcgill.podbean.com. It's all there. Thank you for Sarah for being such a great guest and being so open and so honest. That that's what this show is about. We're exploring these intimate ex- explorations of Chicago people and their stories and their lives. And we're adding to this narrative of Chicago that I feel is being enriched and deepened uh, by people that you wouldn't necessarily uh, hear from, you know, in other places. And it's amazing. I mean, Sarah is a Paralympian, you know, and that's just like, to me, it's so cool. And so, you know, I wanted to, to expose people to that story. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you to Rep and Pins for the exclusive offer that we talked about at the top of the pod. That's amazing. Uh, if you didn't hear that, please go back to the top of the pod and, ch- <laughs> and listen and get that code. Go by, go crazy. Thank you to all of you for listening. Uh, please rate, review, and share. I'm sorry I have to ask you to do that, but the more of you who do that, it, it just elevates uh, the profile of the pod and more people will hear it. And more people means more, you know, more guests, uh, you know, different guests. What You know, I'm, I look forward to the day when guests start reaching out to me rather than the other way around. They're like, I want to be on your pod. Well, I want you on my pod. Let's talk about this, you know? So, you know, please do that for me. It takes about a few moments. Uh, you know, if you listen on Stitcher, do it on Stitcher. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, do it on that. If you have have access to both, do it on both. That's fine. Um, it'll help me. It'll help the pod. And we appreciate it so much. Um, and if you leave a review, I'll throw you a shout out. So, so you know, be prepared for that. Also, you can hit us up on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. Don't be afraid to slide into my DMs. You know, drop a quick message. Let me know, you know, your thoughts. And, you know, I would appreciate it. Any feedback is good feedback. You can also email us being silly in the city, all one word, being silly in the city at gmail.com. You can also call us, call us at 312-488-9068. You'll get a, you'll hear a voicemail message that was recorded by our artistic director, uh, Heather Calvert, and you can leave a message. Please leave the messages under three minutes. And, you know, that way, you know, get to the point, land the plane and, you know, and we'll you know if it's interesting we'll air it and we'll talk about it and it'll be great but we we appreciate it you can also subscribe to the off the beaten podcast newsletter you'll be the first to know about everything that happens so please go do that you'll see that a link to that down in the episode notes and also finally calling all musicians do you want your music featured on an episode off the beaten podcast just email us uh, and give us a streaming link and we'll you know we'll get back to you and we'd love to have some of your music you know we haven't had any local music yet 
but I would love to have some. I am a musician and I love music of all varieties. So I think that would just simply enrich the experience. So thank you all again. And without, you know, that's it. We'll see you next. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks. And <laughs> I got something up my sleeve, but yes, we'll see you in two weeks. And I'm super excited. Have a great day. Listen to this, share it with your friends, talk about it and reach out to us and we'll see you next time. Thank you and goodbye.